Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode of Mother May I Sleep With Podcast is brought to you in part by the Lifetime Movie Club, the ultimate streaming destination for Lifetime movie lovers. Choose from 100 movies at any time with new movies rotated in weekly to keep things fresh. And you can watch anywhere on your favorite device. As a bonus, listeners of this podcast get an exclusive one-month free trial. Go to LifetimeMovieClub.com slash malls to start your free month now. That's LifetimeMovieClub.com slash M-O-L-L-S. Welcome to Season 3 of Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. I'm your host, Molly McAleer. And also, my friend who's a stylist said this thing that really comforted me, where she was just like, Molly, don't feel any fucking need to ever buy Gucci. She's like, because it's having its moment, and it will be embarrassing to have it. And, I, and I'm like... I'm really? Just like, just in general? Because there, there are Gucci things I do like. That I feel like I'll always have. But um, I think that like what she's kind of saying like the loud, is she said like the tacky loud. Yeah. I I mean, and also like even their subtle stuff is such like oh that's a Gucci yeah. like you know you know it when you see it. Yeah. And I think that she's just kind of saying like it's like peeking out as a brand right now, and like it won't be like embarrassing, yeah. but you'll feel like their sunglass game is not what it was. No, their sunglasses are insane right now. Um, they're, I mean, they've always, I mean, that moment is happening right now, fashion wise. The only thing I'm saying is that, like, I feel like teenagers try to buy a $500 Gucci pen because they think, like, this is a status symbol. Oh, wait, let me get you a coat. Do you, is there a little coaster there? Yeah. That little, like, rock thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, it made me feel better about not having a $1,200 hoodie. Yeah. Um, okay. So today, are we recording? Okay. I am so excited about today. My very best friend in the whole world, Ed Hansen, is joining us. And a lot of you guys have been asking for Ed for the entire time I've been doing this show when I've been asking, you know, who would you like to hear from? What are your favorite, like, please advise guests you'd love to hear on this show? Uh so excited about today. My very best friend in the whole world, Ed Hansen, is joining us. And a lot of you guys have been asking for Ed for the entire time I've been doing this show when I've been asking, you know, who would you like to hear from? What are your favorite, like, please advise guests you'd love to hear on this show? Um, people for years have said Ed, but I know Ed is a busy guy. And I've just always known you only really have your weekends now because you work full, full, full time and um, huge commute and everything. So, like, this is a time-consuming podcast. This is usually I go to other, like, writers who are on hiatus or, like, people who are just kind of in development right now or people who don't, you know, do podcast stuff. But... I asked Ed if he would do this show, and he said yes. And so I had to go. I mean, you already know what movie this is because it's the title of the episode. But 
I had to go iconic. And I've stayed away from Tori Spelling movies altogether just because she is. We call our seasonal award that we give away to the most lifetimey lifetime movie the Tori Spelling, Tori Spelling Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, but I had to go there. I had to do it to you. I had to. This is the one. And it also stars one of my other favorite actresses of this generation, Kelly Martin. Face on the Milk Carton. Anyone there? I mean, greatest, greatest actress of this era, I think. I mean, much better than Tori Spelling, who shockingly was cast as the most popular and beautiful girl in school. You do that with that, what you will. Ed Hansen, welcome to the show. Welcome to A Friend to Die For slash Death of a Cheerleader. Um, I think we're both friends to die for, don't you think? I know, I I do too. We would die for each other. Um, Well, I mean, like, we wouldn't kill each other. We wouldn't kill each other, but we would die for each other. We would write each other letters in jail. Oh, for sure. And we'd be at the trial. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Minimum. We'd be shunned at the trial for sure. Yes. Well, be, I think be, the Jill, Jill reminded us a lot. Right, Jill. <laughs> well, because I wrote in my notes, I was like, this is where I think a lot of people at home, you know, we'll see a big moment from Jill later, which we'll get into. But Jill has a big moment of standing up for her friend in the face of really having no fucking reason except to cower and cry. Like, most people would just cry. Most people would not choose this moment to draw a hard line in the sand when we see Jill stand up. And I wrote in my notes, like, I feel like most people would be like, oh, she's in love with her. But I was like, I feel like some people just don't know what it's like to have a friend like that. That yeah. like you, that's like a really good friend. Like, no, they're not fucking in love with you. They're your good friend. You know, Jill is also the expectation management friend where she manages all of Angela's insane, absurd, but highly ambitious expectations for herself. And Jill and you know, and I think you and I have had this dynamic in our friendship sometimes we'll all just be like, go really big on something. Absolutely. And you'll be like, no, 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 let's like revise this, like bring this down a moment. And ultimately like, it's a good thing to do because then no one gets murdered. Absolutely. Do you know what I'm saying? I agree. Like, no, it's all expectation about ex- management that I don't know if you're using that phrase because I always use that <laughs> phrase, but I use it because my mom always said it to me. The- like when I was a kid, she'd be like, Molly, got to get those expectations under <laughs> control like you gotta start you I, gotta had a, start. I had another friend who would always say it and it was like you know what it's a very invaluable phrase because it does mean a lot and as in the climate of being an adult right it Do does, I mean? it and does. In the climate of being a teenager i think oh, it's, it's doubly crucial especially when it comes to like christmas if your family ain't like you know really pulling it in you gotta manage those expectations you're you know, probably not gonna come if you're out a little, to a, if you're a little loose on the step and you want to be the star cheerleader i would say you gotta tighten right. it up you know what i'm saying yeah um th- yeah th- that kind of expectation That's the kind of thing that my mom would always be like, just get level. I was trying to think if I would even ever think to try out for a cheerleader in high school. Um, well, the real, um, Stacey Lockwood, who was Kristen Costas. Okay. Wait, can I just, can I break away? I want to tell our audience, I'm glad you bring this up because I wanted to talk real case before we get into mm-hmm, the movie. Mm-hmm. So this is based on a true story. Absolutely. Although, as Light Li- Lifetimes always says, it says, while this production is inspired by a true story, names and locations have been changed and certain events and conversations have been dramatized, which I always want to know. I'm like, well, what events? Like, can you give me a, fo- give a bitch a footnote and be like, this is where we had to make stuff up, you know, but they didn't. But you did a lot of research on the case. I read like the Wikipedia and I was like, I was just, I was The Wikipedia was solid for sure. There was was like, it was bare. It was bare. I think so for context. And I think that, you know, at one time, 
or I should say, we all know that Rolling Stone has always been like this like cultural powerhouse of sure. publishing these iconic, they, they do these, you know, examinations, these real life story examinations. They did Death of a Cheerleader. They like the stuff that is like what America really likes versus Vanity Fair, which is always searching for more of like the highbrow, the next level, the secret behind the mm-hmm. secret, the thing you might not know, the life that you can't grab. Rolling Stone gives you the thing that you're like, that's basically my peer. Why can't I look in there? Why and they can't also I also go for complex identities and people yeah. who struggle with, I, people who struggle with identity in their places in the world sure. and the larger cultural implications of what that means. And I feel like this movie and this story in this case is totally that. And there's yeah. a lot of important cultural moments and, tropes that I want to tap into during this process because there's a lot of there's this is a very rich movie you said you felt when when we before we started this you were saying that like you're surprised that this movie isn't brought up more in conversations about this is the architect okay first of all I am shocked that this movie is not literally based on you should we should have seen based on in maybe Heathers yeah we should have seen based on maybe in Mean Girls we should have seen a little based on in Jawbreaker we should have seen based on in a few things because the archetypes that these girls presented and the parallels between them are astounding. Yes. And this was made in 1994, which is like, you know, pre a lot of that stuff. It's post Heather's, The real right? case was in 84, by the way. Yeah. No, I know. Right. I was thinking the year I was right. born. <laughs> I was like, I was just a little six month old baby when all just, this happened. Yeah. You were just a little, you know, Angela or Stacy in the womb. I was just a little you know? snuggling. I was just a little, I was, I was out uh, of the womb January 10th. Um, so the real, the real Angela, who's Kelly Martin, who plays the killer, her real name was Bernadette, right? Bernadette Prati. Bernadette Prati. And Bernadette Prati was from like a slightly, it was a very like rich city, like sort of by Berkeley, right? It's just outside of Berkeley. It was a commuter city for like Berkeley and Oakland. Mm-hmm. And it was initially created as this suburban haven where, and it's funny because hearkening back to the Rolling Stone article, they said these people were not upwardly mobile because they'd already made it. Okay. So this was a place where people who had quote unquote made it, who were working in San Francisco, working in Oakland and working in Berkeley would go, they would commute in, right. but they would have this bucolic suburban BMW. It's like tennis. the Calabasas. It's the of, Calabasas right. of, of the, of the Bay area. And she was from like a slightly lower, like a work, more working class family that lived in that community. Her so her dad, her dad was an engineer for the city of San Francisco. Okay. So what I think happened was I think he made a fine living. There okay. were six kids in that household. Right. And when you just, when I was and reading. And we only got a whiff of that during the Christmas scene. And they're Italian too, which we get. The, yeah. The Italian Catholic thing, I think it taps into it. And the thing that's interesting too is that like, if we see the outside of her house, it's it's not a small it's, house. It's it's not it's not shabby. It's, it's not shabby. It's, it's everyone just, else has more of a modernized. Yeah, home. it's more. It's less. It's not manicured. But it was right. funny because they tap into that in the real article. They were saying the paint was peeling. It yeah. wasn't super manicured, but it wasn't like Angela was like so far down the totem pole. Although. A lot of her friends were very flashy. BMW was the honorary car I drove, driven and at that school. the key thing here is, I think, high school and youth, right? right? Which is what we really tap into when we're talking about, like, the court case that happened eventually. But, like, it's... When you're a kid, that means a lot if that's Hot. what you care about. Like... 
I never knew to like care. To, I was like jealous maybe if my friends had like flashier stuff than me. 100%. But I also like didn't feel really bad about not having it. And I think as a teenage girl, that pressure to be in the hottest fashions, look the best, course. was probably doubly there, especially because, um, you know, in this community, the women were definitely playing to a certain role. Did you find a real... I'll, I'll look for a picture of her because I didn't see a picture. The real Kristen? Yeah. Or the real Bernadette. The real Bernadette was actually cute. I mean, I... Because, well, Kelly Martin's adorable. And yeah. That's the other thing I was thinking, like... Maybe like because she was so naturally pretty, like that that not having that extra edge of money what really surprised took a toll me? on her. Okay, so here's the real okay, so this is the real Kristen, by the way. That's the real Kristen. Okay. Okay, I mean that's the real Stacy. The real Stacy. That's the real Stacy. Okay, so okay. She actually does look a lot like Tori Spelling. So but like when you see the real Kristen, or sorry, the real um Angela. Angela I would say that Angela was probably slightly more attractive than if I we're mean, just going... I would say that's definitely yeah. the case with this movie as well. Yeah, right. And that I... they stayed true to the casting. Right. The thing too is that like, it's interesting though too, because like, um, Stacy was very fit. Right. She dressed very sexy. Yes. It was kind of like slutty preppy chic, you know? So when that way they fucking killed this movie for 100% styling, design, costumes, also, sort of like. All the girls, the upwardly mobile girls, I should say, were in pearls. Right. Which is a style statement in and of itself. They were trying to make a point. Oh, yeah. The pearls were the status symbol. So is there anything else about the real life case that we should know other than it seems like Bernadette, she was in in juvenile detention until she was 26. Right. Which in the movie they say legally should only be 25. So I wondered, like, did she get into some trouble in there? Well, no, no, no. I think it was it 26 or was it under? She was 20. I think she got out at 24. Okay, because it was I seven thought it was years. 26. Because she, she only did, she did seven years. Okay. And so what, the thing that I do know is, and this is the part, I didn't go as far into this research out of respect for, and I'll explain this why. So Bernadette has changed her name. Yeah, that's what She's, I was going to say. She changed her name and moved out of state. But people, there's trolls online who are still mad about this case. Okay. And they're posting like hate websites and they're like, right, I was like reading some of the messages about sure. Bernadette and they're basically like, you can change your name and you can hide. They even posted Bernadette's sister. Okay. Oh, no. was Terry. The, the, I, I don't know if it I was know, Terry know, or I the know. other one. I don't know what, I think it was, it was might've been the one who left the, like the knife in the car. Terry, that was Terry yeah, in the movie. So she is the vegetable a, lover. a very successful CEO. She's a millionaire. Okay. So they're posting photos of the sister too and oh. saying, your fucking sister's a murderer. How did she become successful? A vegetable business? I, I would hope. I yeah, hope. I hope no, she like, she's some she's, kind of I was corporate like, CEO. She's onto this like, fa- she's onto this like health food, like produce, raw diet thing really, really early. Really ahead of her time. Like ahead of her, t- I, trust me, I, I, all respect to Teresa, a.k.a. Terry. Okay, so people know where she is now. You know, here's the thing with Lifetime 2 that I'm going to get into, which this is, you know, one of our ranking car- uh, categories, I'll just spoil it for you now, is victimization of the female character. Because, I, I mean, that's the hook for Lifetime. It's television for women. Right. And I, they never like a woman to feel excluded, right? So in a way that when they do tell a lot of these stories, they do come off sympathetic to... The guilty party. Um, for example, they just did Conrad and Michelle, the Massachusetts text message murder mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
they had Bella Thorne. They wrote that shit in two weeks. They had Bella Thorne player. Um, and a lot of people on Twitter, because I was like able to see the real time reactions were saying that they were like, Oh, lifetime, you are not going to make me feel bad for this bitch. Like they were really, they were really angry that, that she was, uh, painted sympathetically for her actions. And I personally, I personally don't think she was guilty of manslaughter. I don't, I, I, that's my personal belief. No one else. I just think that you can't kill someone via text message. Well, yeah. I mean, that but, case, uh, yeah, I can't. <laughs> no, you don't have to comment yeah. on that. I will just say, but I also am the one who says like, you know, I feel like that guy, Travis really fucked with Jody Arias's head. Oh, he did. You know? Oh, so yeah. like, I'm the one who I, I'm that, that viewer that likes showing a little bit yeah. of sympathy to the person that is the killer. Now, I think that with this story, um, it's, she kind of, they kind of did her what I think is like a big up for 1994 to paint someone who killed someone in a fit of jealousy and rage and just a crime of passion to give her a sympathetic portrayal was very kind of a, like, I thought that that seemed a little bit ahead of its time. Well, I also think too, Lifetime does a really amazing job of portraying it's handbook well, here's stories. The of, this isn't a lifetime movie. Well, but they, but they, right. Okay. But like my point in saying that is that we come in, this is interesting because I wonder if these types of movies kind of set the tone for what lifetime became mm-hmm. because this was originally an NBC movie of the week, mm-hmm. a Mao, and it was, um, then distributed to lifetime because right. it doesn't NBC own like, isn't that the parent company um, like A&E history? Like aren't all those, companies? I don't know if no. the A&E or no, no. Cause A&E and lifetime A&E, are the same. A&E's own lifetime own A&E owns lifetime okay. and those parent networks. So they don't like, necessarily about. have the same parent. No. Cause Bravo's, Bravo's NBC Never. Universal. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but so I, but I think that lifetime does a really good job of portraying stories where, you know, I think you may, and especially when it comes to like female, these female centric stories yeah. where you may go down this narrative road and you're kind of not sure where you stand on certain things, sure. which I really like because it, yeah. it does fair justice to both parties. Cause I you're kind of like, that's the part where they really become a movie where yeah. it becomes a movie, like an actual, where you kind of look past the other jankier aspects of production, which d- doesn't exist in this at right. all, which no, is another great. thing I want to bring up is that, most of the time, a lot of the movies we watch on this show and that we talk about, like, we like that they're kind of held together with pieces of, like, scotch tape. We like that, like, the wardrobe is all, like, oddly brand new stuff that, like, came off of a clearance rack, but, like, works, but is all just, like, clearly new clothes that came from styling. This movie was, because also it was an NBC production, same as Twisted Desire with most of Joan Hart that we did last season, the fun thing with this is that it has, they had time to plan this. People didn't expect a movie to come out six months after the trial happened or during the trial, which is what happened with Amanda Knox and Conrad and Michelle. Those came out while both of those cases aren't even solved. So, or, you know, finished in the courts. So this movie, like, there was a lot that went into this. They got Tori Spelling. They got Valerie Harper. They got like, you know, Kelly Martin. They got all of the big names. Yep. They all got, they all like, you know, the costuming is great. The script is pretty good. Like they, this is a very sturdy movie. And I think Lifetime has like continues to sort of live off the fumes and good, good deed of like movies like this having been done. Like we'll see once in a while, like a Flowers in the Attic, like a huge production they'll roll out. 
And this is like one of. I think they do that because of movies like this. Yeah, I think that you know、uh, they have a good. I think there some of their movies have like a really good sense of humor about themselves. But I also think that like. The production values are like totally there, you know. Like this movie is great. It's like yeah, a real. It like, feels like a real movie. Yeah, it's, it's like these are these are movie of the week in their heyday when people were still、totally. at home on a Friday night and like would watch a movie. It was or, like、event. a Saturday was night movie.、Yeah. Saturday night movie. Yeah, like you you know some, stayed home for this. not always for the kids, babe. But like this is great. This movie is great. So. We're gonna get into it,、um, but I do want to say before that too that、um, I, my whole point in bringing up that like Lifetime has this unique habit of kind of asking or kind of showing you more of the the guilty party side.、Um, yes, like we are going to sympathize heavily as we usually do, and as I have since episode one with Jodi Arias, I'm probably going to sympathize a lot with a person who killed someone.、Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are people out there that are still upset about this today. Yeah, they are. She was、They're... also 16 years old. She's 16, and you know, arguably, her victim, who should not have died, was not the greatest person. And like, they really, this movie does、um, does in a very good way. Something that we'll see instances of, and we'll talk about it more. Does a very good way of kind of like rolling out how shitty someone can make you feel. Time and time again, just by being like unpleasant and unkind, like if like in high school, how much that mattered when the same person you looked up to just kind of like just took a chance to take a stab at you. Yeah, I mean, and that's a-, a unique heartbreak to high school. I didn't feel that way about people in college or in real life. In high school, that really like made a difference. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like the OG bully. Like she really was like a tremendous bully. So I don't. They don't talk about that. Yeah, because that concept. Really wasn't there at that time. No, people were more of like that. Oh, toughen up, you know, or 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 you know, totally quicker or well, something. Well, the principals of who I can't decide if I want to fuck or like、oh, wish God, he would、no. die. I just no, literally,、oh. I mean, he is so you go on such a journey with him, but um. It's it's you know mean girls didn't give me that reaction、um, like something even like you know bully like a school shooting movie that didn't give me that reaction but in a way in this movie it was just so subtle like the poetry reading scene that I was just like oh I'm there I'm in high school right now that feels terrible you know、yeah. oh. it's great so. We open up on、um, the font. the 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 death of a cheerleader font is great. It's all caps, all Times New Roman, with a nice little shade on it. Did it right in Final Cut or whatever people were using then. We're in a really beautiful suburban area. We see like stock footage of like a guy jogging. We'll see him again at the end. You wonder if he ever changed his outfit at all. <laughs> Um, there's ducks on a lake, stuff like that.、Um, then we go up to a church,、um, and now the, it tur- turns from day to night. And now、um, in front of this church, we see a, a beater car, and who like it could only be Tori Spelling is sitting in the passenger seat. You just know the bob when you see it.、Mm-hmm. She lights up a joint.、Um, and then a moment later, we see two wealthy couples having a little game night.、Mm-hmm. Which we spend, I felt a lot of time with them. Like it was a whole like, but you are bluffing. Like you know, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. Not really, but like kind of. It was just like a whole like rant about their game night. You can just get a feeling that everyone's very rich and like NPR ish there. Yeah, it was very wealthy. It was, yeah, yeah. 
and educated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the doorbell rings as Tori's spelling at the door and she goes, I'm sorry to bother you, but I was up at the church and I was waiting for some people who never showed up and my friend got a little weird on me. Anyhow, I was wondering if I could use your phone if it wasn't too much trouble. And she's so just, I don't know how any adult could even like see that presentation and be like, that is bullshit. Like you're like, whatever's going on, you're a bad person. And well, also, also nowadays, if that happened, we would probably slam the door and call the police and be like, there's a, a psychotic, right. sociopathic teenage or girl. Or like come out, we'll bring the phone outside, you know? Yeah, like, like, oh, you wait here. Yeah. You wait I'll here. Dial the... There is no way I'm getting in a car with you. Yeah. Miss Pearls and Miss like, you know, dress like a high end madam. Yeah. Like you're, she's literally just like a high end man or like, a, or like a sexy real estate agent. But or she's something. also the definition of what anyone's parent who had any savvy would be like, you know, the way that like a lot of moms like hate Kristen Doty, for example, because they can just tell she reeks of fakeness. Yeah. Like the, the Tory spelling aspect of it is just this character. My mom would have taken one look at her and been like, yeah, you can use the phone, but I don't fucking trust you, you little bitch. Like <laughs> who does she think she is? Um, so. There's no answer at the phone, but Kevin Lake, the husband, which is a real, it's a real guy, not Mr. Lake, but there was a real couple that this sprung from, offers to drive her home. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're talking in the car. They're having like, kind of like a, an extensive conversation for two people that will never see each other again. She's saying that, you know, she's really excited about junior year, but she doesn't want to wish this year away because she's having so much fun with her friends. And he even says to her, is your friend upset about something? Because now the car is tailing them. And the mom, the wife of Mr. Lake's wife watched the car take off. And I'm watching all this thinking like, that's when I would have called the police if I was this Lake chick. Well, the car was tailing them the whole time in real life. Well, no, but like when it, so like Mr. Lake pulls out and then like 10 seconds later, she starts her car and his wife is still watching that. And I'm thinking if I was that wife, I would have said, that's weird that her friend who's being weird. Cause when she just says, my friend got kind of weird with me, Mm -hmm. I have 20 questions about that. Yeah. Like as an, if I was Mm -hmm. an adult and a high schooler came to me, I'd be like, well, how were they being weird? And she was like, she's just weird. Yeah. That's her response. And, and that's any normal adult would be like, that doesn't pass the sniff test. Yeah. Like in any way. Um, I guess, you know, we're more alert to that now, but she also didn't never revealed her friend was a chick. So like until later. So, um, the friend is telling them he drops her off and she's like, Oh, it looks like my parents aren't home. I'll, I'll go to the people next door. He's like, I'll wait for you. Classic. Gotta wait for people to get inside you guys. So he's watching some sort of like, fight that breaks out behind a hedge and he can just see a little bit of Stacy and her friend arguing mm-hmm. and then Stacy screams and falls to the ground mm-hmm. after the scuffle and he sees one figure run off mm-hmm. and then Stacy is like bleeding out mm-hmm. she fi- goes to the next door neighbor's house but he takes off yeah. in the car he takes off and did they, were they the ones that ever called the police or was it just? So no, what happened was, okay. So in real life, he takes off. Cause I thought that was very unclear. That's so strange. It was unclear what was going on. Cause it almost was like, was he fleeing? 
what were, where was he going? Yeah, or was he delivering her to this scene? Like, you like, know what I mean? Did he get, it, you know, it almost was ambiguous, but we, what, what really happened was, was that he tailed her. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then lost her. And I want to bring this up. This, cause I'm a car guy. Oh, the friend. She tailed, he's he tailing tailed. Bernadette, okay. aka Angela. Yeah. In his like 1985 Volvo 240DL. Okay. Okay. And Angela's driving a Pinto. Yeah. Okay. A Pintos were not known for their speed. Right. Okay. How in real life? I was reading this over. He lost Angela, a teenager without a license. He, lo- right. he literally lo- like wow. Did you lose Angela, or did you just give up and decide I'm not going to put? My- I'm just I'm out of this now. I don't want anything to do I don't with this. To do with this. Let me go back home because when the cops talked to him, he said there was a girl driving a Pinto, but. If you were following her, wouldn't you have gotten her license plate? Let me tell you something. Wouldn't the license plate have cinched this from the beginning? I don't want anything to do with this. Always leads to someone getting killed and you feeling guilty for the rest of your life. I had an ex-boyfriend who got called by the cops or visit from the cops. They said, hey, did you hear a screaming a couple hours ago? And he was going out and he didn't want to deal with talking to the cops. So he pretended he didn't. And then it turned out that his neighbor was murdered. Oh, that's horrible. And... Like, I mean, he, he felt terrible about it, but that's my only experiences with just being like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't want to, I'm not touching this. I think you're right. I think that he probably was like, I have my own life, man. Yeah. This girl came to my door. Now I'm wrapped up in a murder. Like, fuck this. I saw what I saw. That's all I'm leaving. Yeah. Like he didn't give them a license plate number. He just gave them a description and it literally took them over six months to piece that together, which is kind of insane. Because, right. like, that could have been very easily figured out right away, almost. And the des- if the description was anything like the movie description, it was pretty piss poor. It was, like, pretty... <laughs> right. Like, you know, I mean, so it was... I would expect that from me, a blind person. Like, that's who I would expect But that it was from. also, like, okay, like, but uh, not to criticize their police investigatory situations or whatever their investigation, but, uh, like... Ed, you have no allegiance to the whatever town police. But I'm, like, wouldn't if it was... If they said it was a teenage girl who had, like, short hair... Do you remember her and Jill it were talking about it? It was a brunette girl with short hair, and, and Jill, a brown and sweater, and And Jill and literally goes, that could be any girl in our high school. But by the way, how many girls in your high school drive a Nova? And she's like, I drive a Nova, a.k.a. Pinto. Yeah. And I'm like, how many girls in your high school drive an ex- that exact car? There were 700 exact- in the area. I mean, it's crazy. Um. So anyway, so best dying scene ever. Tori Spelling totally. does like, a, there's a close up on her face as she dies on her neighbor's stoop. The neighbor... Um, I've never, I know fight, flight or freeze. I don't want to, you know, insult anyone's ability to, you know, get ready in the moment. But like, how many minutes do you have to watch Stacy die before you're like, he just stood there and the kid just stood there the too. The kid was just like, well, he at least was trying to hold Stacy, but his son, his son's like standing there. Facing out. I'm like, hello, go, right. run, hello, like go, go, you, go y'all don't have a cell phone. We know that it's yeah. 1984. Go run your fucking cord, they, cord hooked to the wall phone. They had 911 in 1994. That I took mean, like it all was a, three hours. It was, that was a combo of directing, cho- writing choices and everything else. But like, it, I guess it explains how Stacy bled out so quickly. Yeah, because they, I mean, they got her in the ambulance. They got her to the hospital and she died like an hour later after So that. this is how her family finds out and I just want to say I love this moment of filmmaking the dad the mom and the young son the son is like does that thing that they used to do in old movies where if they wanted to get all three people in the car in one shot the kid is like leaned up over the center console and he's wearing a baseball uniform Mm -hmm. and the dad goes I thought the coach's speech was right on target he really and then he trails off 
And for the next probably 25 seconds, they're just sort of like looking at a crime scene ahead of them and having a reaction. But I'm thinking like, give them a line. Like no one can be like, oh no, or like what's going on? They were just like, again, it was a little bit of a like, I mean, are we all just going to like chill while this is happening? They just needed like a word or something. Um, But so he trails off and the neighbor comes out. He gets, they all get out of the car and they're finally like, what happened? And the neighbor's like, it was Stacy. And we see Tori Spelling's like slender ass body get thrown into an ambulance. Then we see them operating on her. She dies on the table. Yeah. And she also does like a weird hand gesture that I'm not sure if that was like her. It looked like a symbol. It was like a gesture. It was like, oh, I thought it was just sort of like a, yeah, I don't know if it was like a bleeding out gesture or if it was legitimate, like a, like mom and dad come with me. That might have been because an none of them rode oh, none of in they the all ambulance watched with that her. ambulance drive away. Yeah, and and I'm it like, was what the hell? so weird. I know. So, my mom would have like dove in there or someone would have did, like literally been like, let me go with you. But they were like, bye, Stacy. So then they're like, their parents watch her die on the table because they did the surgery in front of like what they normally have in like where they keep the infants in a hospital. Like, I don't know of any hospital in America where you can watch a slain teen get operated on in real time, like immediately after it happened. That seems like a very invasive view that they got. But they watched her die on the table. We needed to see that little cut on her, you know, that little cut on her collarbone. Oh, sure. But that movie magic was just something. I will say, Tori Spelling, I watched her eyelids. They didn't quiver once. I don't know what she did. She did also did the classic, which was, I I love this choice. It was like a classic 80s. Like when people in the 80s were dying, they would roll their eyes back a little bit. Oh, that was on the stoop. Like a, like, you know, like a little, she brought that well into 1994 with her girl. My life is leaving me huh? my eyes are rolling back i mean i was like is she like i mean that's also like a sex face that people make that's right. like the it's same face, face that like yeah it's totally an o face and i didn't understand why we were seeing that except that i will say much like the hand motions and then her the way that she looked so pretty when she was dying on the table she, yeah like no she one looked is, like she just got back from saint tropez her mouth isn't cocked open a little bit like you're really telling me they don't have tubes and shit down there during it's it was wild she looked beautiful though she did now we go back to a timeline called two months earlier which is we'll talk about this later but there's no way that everything we're about to see happened in two months i are you sure it wasn't six months Either way, there's no way. <laughs> this was, they like started school mm-hmm. and ended school yeah. in one movie and also yeah. went skiing at some point. Oh yeah. And they're from NorCal. Like where the fuck do these people live that time travels like this? Like they all had a full range of coats and like, uh, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. So we're at a pet, we're at a pep rally for the school. Stacy's up in front with a cute boy, you know. Very, very classic popular girl stance. Mm-hmm. Um, then we see a goth girl all alone. Right. Ahead of her she time, is, too. Um, a tad ahead of her time, ahead maybe, her in time. that she was 40 years old. The actress who played <laughs> Monica was fucking 40 years old. But she also literally stepped out of the craft. No you know one said I mean? she like, wasn't she, gorgeous and perfect. She just stepped out of the craft. She's into just 90- 40. Like, yeah, that's she's it. she's 40, and she's for a bulk. And right. I literally am like, oh, my God. I, she's I, just much closer to never having her period again yeah. than ever getting it for the first yeah, time. menopause. And by the the way, she's beautiful. She has that, like, Courtney Cox, black Irish, gorgeous, like, pale skin, light eyes. She's very pretty. She's just 
much, much older than these other girls. Yeah. And also, can we talk about the difference between Tori Spelling and Kelly Martin? Mm-hmm. Tori looks 35 next to Kelly Martin. It's the it's the hair and the fashion choices. They, she looks like a realtor. Yeah. She, lo- she looks like a lady lawyer. Like, it's she also a little bit of like lifetime maturity, it feels it's like. Because like, yeah. Kelly Martin always had this sort of like girl next door. Mm-hmm. Like, did they pluck her ass out of Ohio? Like Katie Holmes sort of like yeah. genuine pretty. Well, she was Beck on Life Goes On. Like, yeah. She was like America's older, like, you know, dorky sister. She had this, like, she had a very natural played down beauty, whereas Tori Spelling, much more of a full face, Mm -hmm. really stylized hair, always. Always. They all wore that maturity differently. So, um, the cheerleaders are cheering, the students are singing the school anthem. I love this, because Tori's the only actress who didn't even bother to learn the fake school anthem. At one point, she just mouths the word warriors. (laughs) Like, in the middle of a whole different thing. Um, So then the principal comes up, and he gives a speech that Makes him look like a fucking, like, rocks. He looks like one of those Christian um, ministers. Like, the He's way that the, the cool s- principal. The He's students the cool principal. receive him in a way. The students are so excited. It's like, it's, it's really just like dumb people. Like, it's the people who are like amazed when they see an airplane in the sky. Like, this is who these kids are. They're so excited about cheerleading. He feeds them one dumb joke, Xbox. Semi- oh my God. And, and they, you think it was like, you know, like the fucking, you know. They're like- taken with all of it. So let's play, um, this speech because this speech is so important simply because we are to believe as an audience that this speech is basically the inciting incident for murder. This is setting the backdrop of the climate, and yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, it's setting... But, but she leaves this speech yeah. on, a, on a fucking tear. Mm-hmm. She's ready to go she for it. She's ready. So let's play um, 716 to 1031. very much. For the sake of our newcomers, let me reiterate that my name is Ed Sachs. I mention this only because I have been told that a few misguided upperclassmen have, on occasion, mistakenly referred to me as X Lacks. <laughs> It is excellence. Excellence in the classroom. Excellence on the playing field. And excellence in the community that distinguishes Santa Mira from its rivals. So, today, the first day of the rest of your lives... I issue this challenge to each and every one of you. I challenge you to be the best. The best son or daughter, the best student, the best athlete, the best individual that it is in you to be. We live in a competitive world, a world in which second best is simply not good enough. And so I ask you, what is your goal this year at Santa Mira High? To be the best! Again? To be the best! One more time? To be the best! 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 To be the
going to be. What? The best. <laughs> Give me a break, Angie. I am going to edit the yearbook, and I'm going to be a cheerleader. Come on, Angela. You're the best writer in the school, but yearbook editor is nothing but a popularity contest. And cheerleading, not a chance. That's reserved for the it's great to be me crowd. And I'm going to be a lark. A lark? You mean like a meadow lark? You're such a bunch of snobs, Angie. They're not. They're into social service and things. Oh, right. They do fashion shows so they can parade in front of their parents and hear how gorgeous they are. Well, I'm going to be one. No, Angie. Stacy Lockwood is going to be a lark. Meredith Ladd is going to be a lark. But you and me, we're just going to be you and me. Jill, you don't understand. I've got this feeling inside me like... Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to do things. I'm going to be someone. I want what Mr. Sachs is. To be the best. You already are, Angie. You already are. Aww. Jill is so nice. Jill is super nice. And I also... So, there's something happening in here which I want to tap into. Which sure. is... And it, it'll come up later again in the movie. But there, I, this is the climate of Reagan. Okay. Yeah. This is the climate of, you know, affluence. Yeah. Is, you know, the best. Affluence, being the best is everything. Be the best American you can be. It wasn't she. Are you talking about 1984? Or are you talking, I'm about talking about 1994? I'm talking about 84. Because the movie is written to 94. No, I, but it's based on the. And, and, okay. It's based on the. So you're getting into the character's I'm getting into mentality. The, I, right. Like, okay. And I, so from the thing is, is that like from a cultural analysis, I think there's something about it's, it's a reaction to the counterculture of the sure. 60s. And it's a reaction to the looseness post sexual revolution and post all the like crime and Manson and stuff of the 60s, 70s. It's Alex P. Keaton. They're like swinging back. They yeah. swung way back because this is the America that they're living in. Yeah. So this is the time they need to be conformist. They want to wear the pearls. They like, when have you ever heard the cool kids? being volunteers for community service on the yearbook committee like it was well that was me well right um no but um i i know what you mean but this is i mean this continued to live on in a lot of i mean i felt that was the residual effects that my high school still felt that that sort of like winning attitude and this was post 9-11 oh you're yeah for you no and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but i i mean once like this is pre-grunge so right. I think once this all happened, like it's just it's just an interesting like moment in time, okay, where they're asked. It's like a so cultural aspiration to be like, this. Let's like make sure our audience knows. Sometimes you're talking about this, meaning not the movie, which is all because they fast forward and they updated it to 1994. But the original character mentality, we should find a way to like differentiate that somehow when we're talking. Well, I th- the thing is, is that like, I th- also, I don't know if this is supposed to exist in 94 though. Like the it movies, is. It, but the cars don't match. None of the fashions match. It That doesn't, it, none of the stuff they're like, none of the, that doesn't, that's not, I don't know if that's 94. Oh, I, well, because why would we'll they have drive the all eighties cars? Because some of the people, some of the junkers are poor, and then like the older. No, 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 no. But even all the luxury cars are from the eighties. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Like all, know. like all of them are, and there's a lot of deliberate choices. Like I noticed, they're they're when she's doing the peer counseling scene in the end, mm-hmm. and also a lot of the jackets and stuff that they were wearing were very nineties. But when they were doing the peer counseling thing in the end, I noticed a trend that only, as far as I knew, existed in the nineties, which is wearing. But like, they a, didn't have cell phones. A 90, baby you blue. Had, you had cell 94, phones. Ninety four. No, you had, we didn't. Yeah. 
get them till 99. No, cell phones were around. They had car phones in the late 80s. They had cell phones. But like not everyone had a car phone. A lot of people, affluent people, I'm just telling you, affluent people in the 90s had car phones. I really think this is existing. I don't, I'm not sure 100%, but I think this is supposed to exist. Because in LA, sure, but like in suburban, I don't know if everyone had a fucking car phone. Yeah, it could be wrong. I mean, I'm not 100% right, but I, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but I think. We'll split the we'll difference. We'll split the difference, yeah. But um, I think that there's, like, I think that we should talk about Bernadette mm-hmm. and Angela. Okay. So if you're talking about the original case, Bernadette. I'll talk about Bernadette. Okay. Because they do make a reference to Nancy Reagan in this that I know I wrote down because I was like, Because That's Nancy so Reagan was weird. the president. <laughs> was no, the I know. Yeah. But their fashion is more 94. Not, they, that's the thing where that's almost like. I think they got that wrong. Right. Like, way, they wear chokers. They got, they I mean, have, they have tons they have of like things like that. They have, like, a ton of stuff, yeah. Well, in the ca- peer counseling scene, the girl is wearing baby blue thermal pajamas mm-hmm. underneath a jean short, which mm-hmm. I, I do not know of happening stylistically until the 90s. But that's where this movie might have fudged some stuff. Yeah, like, they could, I think they kind of weave back and forth between, like, these 90s stylistic things, but also... Because, yeah, like... Because it had to look cool for, for movie of the weeknight. Right. It had to be, like, visually, like, oh, I want to be there. So that could have been where the more the 90s trends come in. Yeah. I just also noticed that, like, you don't see any computers. You know, there were computers in 94. Sure. You know? So, like, there were... So there's just certain choices in there. Like, there's but certain... But they definitely would have... If it was a decade earlier, they would have put a title card at the beginning saying 1984. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I just wasn't sure. It's it a wasn't clear to me. Lifetime does a, like all these movies of the weeks, they do like when it comes to true life stories, they do a watercolor. Yeah. Like it's like half of this, they take a little bit of everything. Yeah, I'm sure it probably, yeah, cause it, they had to stay Cause they also speak very old fashioned mm-hmm. as well, which I noticed. Um, so her best friend's so supportive of her. I love that. It's like, I, I just wrote the best friend is the most heartbreaking role in a lifetime movie always. Cause yeah. like the best friends just being a, they're just a fucking innocent bystander to all of this. Right. Um, so Angela and her friend are trying to make some plans for the weekend, but Angela's like a little bit caught up looking at her friend Jamie, who was her friend from St. Joe's, I think, which is their, I thought that was like their middle school, but apparently they left, they all left and went to the public high school. So. And by the way, she's played by Marley Shelton. Who's so pretty. Who's so pretty and who also went on to play in one of my favorite movies, Sugar and Spice, mm-hmm. where she also played a teenager, a pregnant teenager. An a pregnant teenager who was a cheerleader which is even wow. better yeah. so I don't know if that was an homage to this but if it was I love that this cat like I found Jamie to be like some of the most powerful casting because she was a neutral person but also probably the most objectively beautiful person mm-hmm. in this totally. movie totally completely so you were just like anytime you saw her you were just like she's like it's like Gigi Hadid. Like, you're just like, you're just like lost a little bit in her. You're like, wow, she's so pretty. Like, what, what is she saying? So this was great. Cause Jamie calls her over. She's like, Angela, come here. And Angela looks at Jill and is like, is it okay? <laughs> and Jill's like, don't worry. I'll catch up with you later. And I thought that is so weird. But then I remembered, no, that was so true in high school. If someone called you over, they were calling you. you. I thought that too. I was like, oh shit, okay. They weren't saying like, the two hey, of go, you. Like, yeah. no, they meant like, you keep your ass there, Jill. I want to talk to Angela. <laughs> Angela Jill. has to be like, can I leave you here, Jill? <laughs> like, it just is such like a, a specific thing to high school that you totally forget about. Yeah. Where it's just like, we're all just like walking around, like fucking abandoning our friends or like our friends are being like, you're like, you have to be the bigger person and be like, yeah, no, go talk to that popular person. 
I'll just like go. He could elevate both of you at the time, yeah. though. It really could have. You know what I mean? Like if if Angela's doing good, it elevates uh, Jill. Kind of. You I know, think it would probably. Jill doesn't give I think a fuck. it would probably bring up the average a little bit more if yeah. Jill was allowed to be included. Her social stock would rise. <laughs> right, but if Jill had been allowed to be included, like a normal fucking life situation, oh. like high school's so so high school's it's brutal. So, um, Angela goes over to the cool girl group after she spends a minute with Jamie. We find out Jamie spent the summer in Hawaii and Angela's sort of dodging the question about where she spent the summer. That's why I lied about going to Hawaii in first grade when everyone asked me and I got into a lot of trouble because <laughs> I was on scholarship and the school wanted to know how the fuck we afforded to go to Hawaii, which we didn't because I made it up. <laughs> I copied. You went the, to Hawaii in your imagination. I co- copied the Full House Hawaiian style episode, <laughs> and I said that I just basically told people the episode of Full House where they went to Hawaii. Um, said it was about me. So, um, and then I was on stage with the Beach Boys. No, um, so she comes up to the popular group, and Stacy's telling this story that is supposed to be. I wrote it down, and I'm going to do the monologue for you because it's the least interesting story of all time. Yeah. But the way that it's a much like the prep rally where you're like, what the fuck yeah, kind of like, like brain dead moron would think that, you know, but Stacy, she's also very political herself. She goes, so anyhow, the substitute, she's got this <laughs> unpronounceable last name and she has like four, she's like four feet tall. And the first thing she does is announce to us that she has a PhD and we had to call her doctor. So listen. Court, he stands up and he says, Hey, doctor, I got this pain in my heart. What should I do? And then they all laugh as this, this is like, I'm like, this is the least. They're like, that's like, as if that's like the sickest burn. I'm like, first of all, you fucking moron. That is a doctor. Secondly, like, that like okay but this just also goes to taps back into the excellence thing of this bullshit this right so because she also said an, she was a doctor she emphasized she is in like oh look at this like little foreign lady thinking she's a fucking doctor right and then like in him cut to she is and also that's cut, what they mean yeah and also cut to um so if you have not achieved an md yeah then you are subpar yeah which is amazing because i'm like they're just two different two very different things yeah but i'm like no not every doctor needs to prescribe medicine you fucking idiot court but that's cool no i know and she thinks this is worth telling retelling over lunch yeah she's like so yeah. they spot monica the school goth crossing the lawn and stacy <laughs> goes hey monica aren't you forgetting your broom and monica says i don't need a broom to fly away from you you bitch <laughs> <laughs> and the bitch was so pointed to it was sharp this is where i was like i am like Monica is the one to watch. She's serving for Rusebalk realness at all times. Like she literally Nancy from the Clark, the crowd. But also, I'm getting a little bit of like Janine Garofalo and Romeo and Michelle. A little bit of that, that too. Like, cause she Monica does you feel for her, but she does play it funny. Like she also you bitch. Like the way she's you it's bitch. it's kind of funny, yeah. right? So um, it, it was very harsh, bitch. So then. <laughs> Tori goes, uh, Stacy goes, you better go away. We don't feed strays here. (laughs) (laughs) So Angela runs up to her best friend and she's like, oh my God, I got my school job at the attendance office. Guess who my work partner is? And her friend goes, well, geez, from the sounds of it, it's Nancy Reagan. Um, and I I just wrote, was it ever cool to work in an administrative office with Nancy Reagan? (laughs) So she says it's Stacy Lockwood and Jill's like very underwhelmed and she's basically like, Stacy is a mean and hurtful person and I don't 
don't want to see you get hurt. And Angela's like, no, 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 no. She's only mean to someone like Monica because she goes out of her way to offend people. Right, exactly. Conformist culture. So this is also very like West Memphis 3 sort of like beat 2 here where they kind of like pick the goth girl and we're like, she must be this bad person, which is exactly, exactly. what happened with, with West Memphis 3. Um, although some people think they're still guilty. You can Google that if you want. Um, so... Her friend drops her off at home. Jill's, like, so cute. She, like, keeps her head out of the window like a dog the entire time Angela's walking inside. Um, Angela's such a sweet, goody-goody girl. She's such a goody-goody. Angela is, like, the cross. She's wearing a cross the entire fucking movie. I mean, Italian Catholic family, but Angela's got the cross on. She's just one of those people that walks through life, and you're like, you are so harmless and tender. Like the irony is Angela's the ultimate rule player. Right. That's the irony of it all. She is by the well, book. Well, that's what makes them snap, honey. I like, know, right? That is oftentimes that's why those people fucking snap. It's like all that rule playing can really get to you, you yeah. know? Um, so Angela goes into the kitchen where her mom's praying in the Bible on a timer. The timer mm-hmm. rings. Her mom's Valerie Harper, by the way, who once told me when I was, um, when I was working the WGA strike line at Paramount, uh, for Defamer, she told me I was adorable. Valerie Harper also played who that's by the way you've been called adorable by a legend I know she played Rhoda Morgenstern yeah, on the Mary Tyler Moore show of course my, one of my favorite ultimate TV characters of all time that's and why I, love I mention that she, it I'm not just desperate to you, bring up a story of someone calling me adorable fucking Rhoda it's Rhoda was it's Rhoda and she had a spin the spin-off. cutest thing and also may we point out that in Rhoda's fictional husband's name was Joe and in this movie, Joe, Joe, um, Joe, by the way, if you guys are not following us on Instagram right now, MMISWP, I already posted a clip today of Valerie Harper's incredible facial reactions at one point during this movie, which I really think this should be our definitive clip of you tell me because I'm too into this by now. I can't even tell if this is go- if it's good or bad. I don't know if the face that she serves during this letter reading scene, always a great test of an actor's ability is great or the worst acting I've ever seen or maybe the best acting I've ever seen and she deserves an Oscar. I can't tell. She's, but audience at home, go check out MMISWP. That's also why you've already known that this is, this episode was coming for three weeks if you follow us there. So get involved. So Angela's like, oh, her mom's like, Terry's home. Um, Terry's her sister, Teresa. Um, she has like a vegetable spread in front of her in the kitchen. She's like, I am living on vegetables. Um, love her. I fucking love Terry's vegetables. <laughs> so Angela's like, Hey, what's the real world like? And she's like, it's pretty boring. You pay your own bills. You stay at home a lot. And Angela's like, well, I'm going to live in, is it Cabrillo? Cabrillo County? It's Cabrillo. Okay. So what I think, so in the, this is, um, uh, Bernadette speak for I want to live in Marin. Okay. I want to live in Marin County. I think Cabrillo is supposed to be Marin. Okay. And she's saying, and also I'm like, uh, whatever, uh, what was the sister's name again? Terry? Terry. Terry's telling it like it is. Terry's Being an adult like, is paying your bills and going back to your she's damn like, it's house. It's not everything it's cracked up to be. Yeah. Okay, it's not cracked up to be. And Angela's like, that'll never be me. I'm going to live in Marin County. And da da da. And I'm like, okay, Angela. And it's also a little bit Mary Fisher by the sea because, because mm-hmm. Terry's like, well, how the fuck do you think you're going to finance this life of living? She wants to live in like an Oceanside manor. Yeah. And she's like, well, how are you going to finance this? She's like, well, I'm going to be a writer, like Danielle Steele or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and her sister's basically like, you need to get a grip. Um, and then they follow her on like, she's like, I'm going to be the best. Just like my principal said, rule follower. You're totally right. That's where they all lose it is they followed the rules too hard. 
I um, actually have an interesting turn for that later about how her rule following also contributes to the murder. Oh no, her the rule following is the whole reason the, why she is a murderer. Yeah. It's it's very like same with this Michelle Conrad person. A lot of times these people that are killers are the Actually, li- I don't believe that's I disagree with you and I'll tell you why later. No, when I'll, we get to Okay, it. yeah, we will. But like I will just say that like a lot of times these murderers are very literal people. They're yeah. people that take words at fucking face mm-hmm. value. Yeah. And it's like Oh, you really thought when your principal was gassing everyone up, you're the one who really like <laughs> yeah, don't emotional. Like, oh, I agree with that. Yeah, I you just, subscribe to that emotional newsletter. Do there's you know what a I pivotal mean? moment which taps the yeah. I, I can't wait for this. So, this is so good. They do this great shot that is so odd, <laughs> and I don't. I never know if they're doing this to fill time or if they're trying to be special or something. But they do this shot where they follow her through the room. It's a tracking shot, and she opens her bedroom door and then puts her ass down on the bed, and then it's there for half a second, and then it cuts to the next scene, which is um in the attendant's office. So there's no like real art to it except for maybe that's where the poster came from. Like it looked like it could be a poster shot because it was a beautiful shot. But it was wasted on the nothingness that happened following it. Mm-hmm. But also maybe to show us, you know, she's a little cuckoo. If she doesn't have a rule to follow. She's just going to go sit on her bed and keep her eyes open and stare at the open door. Yeah. Like a dog. There's a stirring yeah. in Angela. So next morning, we're in the attendance office. Stacy's flirting with court. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to play 1637 to 1814. Um, if not, just so you can hear this wildly inappropriate comment from Principal Sachs. Told, uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are so bad. Well, I thought that's what you liked about me. Hmm. <laughs> hey, Delvecchio. Court skipped school yesterday and he needs an excuse. I was thinking you could come up with something, you being such a good writer and all. I don't want to get in trouble or anything. Relax. Nobody's going to know. Okay. Let's make it creative, all right? <laughs> so what's been happening? Uh, did you hear about Monica? She goes walking downtown yesterday, dressed like a rerun of the Adams family. So this little boy sees her and he screams and runs away. By the time his mom catches up with him, he's crying. He's like totally hysterical. He saw Snow White. He thought Monica was the wicked witch coming to get him. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Sachs. How was our prettiest office assistant this morning? How about it, Courtney? We're going to take Ramirez tonight? Uh, no, sir. No? No, sir. We're going to crush him. Good. That's what I like to hear. A winning attitude makes a winning team. Let's just take care of it. Cool. Guess what? Student council is sponsoring a ski trip. It's going to be in Timberland and it's an overnighter. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Stacy, can I see you for a minute? Sure, Mr. Sachs. I'll catch you later, Court. Later. So, what do you think? Are you going to come? The whole school's invited. Me? Of course you. It's going to be a blast. Besides, it'll give us a chance to get caught up. Talk about old times. Sure. Sure, I'll go. Okay, great. I gotta go. Bye. Bye. Okay, so two things really quick. This is where I want to establish also that the popular girls are always in this navy, denim, blue, pearl, um, you know, very like cable knit sort of like layering. It's very intentional what they did with the wardrobe here, but the popular girls are always in blues and denims and whites. Like, that is their theme. And then they have Angela in this scene, a red sweater, the previous scene. 
a red sweater, which we don't really see her in anything that bold at any other point during the movie. But for the most part, her color is like a brown and a taupey sort of like mauve color. She Just does like a, a lot of oranges, too. She, does oranges she loves too. oranges. And I, uh, whoever said <laughs> Angora was the new pink was seriously disturbed. Orange is the new pink. <laughs> um, no, I mean, they, this movie is. It's the costuming is great because the blue content from the popular girls continues. Maybe blue is cool. I don't know, but like they continue to beat you over the head with the blue well through the the trial at the end, where it's just like a blue wave is over on Stacy's side of the courtroom. And this color, it's really striking when you watch it. Actually, just to see how often they put Kelly and Angel is just taupe on the inside too. You know, yeah. she's just very plain Jane. When she the description of the murderer brown sweater, red sweatpants. Like, they they keep her in this palette. Her sneakers during fucking cheerleading tryouts are tan. I've never seen a tan kid in my life, but and they got this, like, and khaki. And tan ski jacket, too. It's which all... I actually liked the ski jacket. <laughs> um, I was like, I don't see what's so She's ugly like, about it. She's like, I look it. like a pear. Give it time, girl. <laughs> um, but... So we're in a, we're, this is a church family. Angela is begging her mom to let her go on the ski trip as they walk in a mm-hmm. church. And mom's like, well, think about it. Yeah. Um, she's in a taupey flowery dress and a brown jacket. Um, she met, uh, mentioned that. So after church, um, they run into the preacher and he's like, or the father, I guess pastor. What do you call him when it's a priest? A priest? They run into the priest. Yeah, priest. And, um, he's like, Angela, it was just yesterday. I baptized you a babe in your mother's arms and look at you now, a lovely young woman. And her mom goes, it was a wonderful sermon, father. And he says, um, thanks. I'm afraid some of the younger mom, uh, members of the parish might have thought it was a bit stuffy. And she says, you spoke the truth, father, and the truth doesn't change with time. <laughs> and he says, bless you. I suppose not. Still, one must be flexible, don't you think? So they're walking away from the church. He's just left her with this thought. And mom's like, you know what? I'm giving that ski trip a second thought. I think mm-hmm. you should go on it. Yep. Mom puts that Jesus shit right into action. She's the one in the church who's actually like listening, paying attention, and then living it in the real world. She walks her talk. Yeah. Angela's all excited, making brownies with Jill. She's screaming like, yes. She said yes. And uh, Jill's like, okay, I get it. Calm down before you beat those brownies to death. I loved that line. That was like, that's, that's high lifetime humor. That's yeah. like, that's a joke. Um, so she's like, you know, you can't ski. And also the trip costs $75 plus you don't have any of the equipment you need. And Angela's like, I'll earn it. So then we go into like a great odd job montage. Totally. And I also, I like, you know, Angela's plucky. Yeah. She's going to go out. She's not going to be like, I'm going to, she's not going to steal oh, it. No. She's not going to prostitute herself to get it. She's not going to beg her parents for no. it. She's going to go out and get hers. She she's busied gonna, herself. She was painting. She's babysitting. Babysitting scenes lasted about three seconds too long each. Like they had to <laughs> fill up the montage somehow and they didn't have that many sets or something. So like she's, like she's feeding one kid and there's like a little like playful back and forth with her and the kid. And you're like, okay, they're going to cut to the next one. And then they don't. And then she like puts the plate down. And we're like, wow, okay, we've really stepped this out. And then a lot of kids. there's um there's one that I really liked because she washes a car, great. And then she goes to another babysitting job and she's bathing a a, to- a girl toddler. And like the camera starts to sort of like zoom in on the little girl's face that's like having fun. And you see Kelly Martin's character pushing the bath bubbles, like as directed, probably. Closer to like the little girl's naked body so that it's all covered, but it's like very clear. It's how movies work. It's yeah. like, they're like, we're going to zoom in, 
but we don't want to get too close on this yeah. little girl's naked. So just push the bubbles as we zoom. Like that was really a shot. That was a shot and they had to have it. And I want to know why they needed time so badly. Like they were must have been, they build up to like, especially in like movies of the week, they mm-hmm. build to commercial breaks. So it's always interesting to me to see how they waste seconds. Um, so then they go, she's all like, you know, babysitting. She's got her money. She counts a stack of ones in her room. And then she goes to the ski store with her friend. Um, and there's a very fashionable ski outfit. It's pink pants and a, and a little jacket. And she's like, it's like a blue oh, jacket. This jacket is divine. Um, and she can't, so, so totally out of her price range that Jill's like, listen, between this and the fact that you will need to get all rentals, like you can't buy skis. Just come to my house. I'll give you a jacket. We go to a scene. Um, this is, I want to play this scene just because it's peak Kelly Martin acting, just because we get to see, we get to, what she does best is what plays out when she tries this jacket on. The way that she sort of is relatable and making the, like, proclamations and is upset. This is very, this is what Kelly Martin did best. Um, and then after this scene, just so you guys know, we're gonna, we're gonna morph into, um, dropping people off for the ski trip. We'll probably cue this up in real, and we'll, as we watch this as well. Um, then we hear the trip up, up to, uh, the mountain resort, wherever they're going. And then we hear the girls in the cabin reading Monica's diary. So this is the three scenes we're about to watch. Um, it's long. It's 2118 to 2314. You look great. I look like a pear. No, you don't. You look fine, really. I'm not going. Nobody's going to care how you look. I care. Boys care. Everybody cares. It doesn't matter. You've worked too hard for this. You're going to go, and you're going to have a great time. Look out. Hate this. Here, honey. Mom. Just a little. Well. What'd you do? He is so hot. I think he's going to ask me to prom. And what about court? Why settle for choice when you can have prime? (laughs) So what do you suppose Monica was scribbling in that book of hers? I don't know. She's still in the shower? Let's find out. You wouldn't. Bedtime story, girl. <laughs> okay. Once upon a time, there was a very strange little girl named Monica. Her face was very, very white, and her clothes were very, very black. Now, Monica was so weird that none of the other little girls would play with her. So she made her diary her constant companion. Here's what she had to say to it. <laughs> Dear diary, I'm sitting in the back of a van on my way to Timberland, all because my parents want me to fit in. Fit in with Stacy Lockwood and her toadies. <laughs> Just as soon kill myself. It'll be a real contribution to society. <laughs> okay. She thinks she is so cool, but I'll bet she's still a virgin. Ah, now we're getting to the meat of the story. Come on, Stacy, that stuff's private. Well, excuse me. What are you, anyhow, Monica's guardian angel? Back to the story. 
She thinks she is so cool, but I'll bet she's still a virgin. You colossal bitch! Hi, Monica. We were just, you know, feeling out the texture of your prose. What? Hey, back off! Back off! You haven't got any friends here. Monica, just let it go. Let it go. She didn't mean anything by it. I'd like to kill her. No, you don't mean that. You're just angry. What would a wannabe like you know about it anyway, huh? Go on. Go. Get away from me. Run back and lick your boots. That's what you're dying to do anyway, isn't it? Oh, Monica. She's 40. What is this? I mean, not just is, why is the goth girl on the ski trip, why is this 40-year-old woman on the ski trip with them? She's definitely the Andrea Zuckerman of the crew. Also, Monica looks like a girl who yelled at me at church one time because I was dressed inappropriately. Does she? Oh, at BC. At BC, yeah. At the hat. Yeah. yeah. She looks just like her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a look. I mean, Also looked 40. Also, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Is that... Kelly Martin's Angela doesn't even do much. Like she just basically says, "Like, can we not get into a fucking fist fight in this in this ski lodge?" Also, but like, oh, Monica, you're turning on the girl, the one girl who was there to defend you, the one girl. I'm not who, mad at Monica. I'm just surprised that I'm this a little f- mad at Monica because I'm like, because for me, oh, this scene sets up a few things. This scene is also kind of like. Well, I'm not going to go ahead and admit I'm the murderer and I'm going to let Monica take this for a little bit of time because, yes, I'm no, struggling with guilt. I think that Monica knew all along that she, the re, what she says to her is like, you're a wannabe you're, you want to be her. Yeah. And what she's saying is right. And it's so, 100% right, but it's mean. No, it's mean, but that's not why she let Mo- she let Monica knew that someone like Angela would have thrown her under the bus for the opportunity to not come across as popular nerdy what she but did to Ma- monica but she no. didn't do that is monica, the thing. but monica is scarred monica has people yeah. throw no, no one will even sit next to her at a fucking assembly yeah. and then all of a sudden this girl is saying like oh no 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 you'll be okay she doesn't mean it and monica's like she doesn't mean it then why do i spend every fucking day of my life i can't even cross the quad but prior to monica walking in the room angela was the only one who but literally it's still insincere it does, it, it's, it's not still insincere, insincere at is. all no because no but angela won't stand up to her to the point that it's like you know what when we both get stuck behind at this lodge tomorrow which they did but what you so this okay so this is so what i what i have yes. the way i saw would, this would was the christian thing to have been truly nice to monica and then no, no, maybe no, no, no. potentially for, hope that monica would be her friend yes that would be the right no thing. i don't i don't think that for me this was about okay this is the first time we see angela cross stacy in a very slight way. She decided it's so, it's so it was minor. very minor. She just said, Hey, put down her diary because Angela felt that that was wrong. Sure. Cause that goes against her grain a little bit where she was like, we shouldn't be reading this girl's diary. Cause Angela's a fucking nerd and right. she ab- she's a rule follower and she abides by the code. This is the first time that Stacy, we see Stacy start to turn on her. And this is how I see it. I see it as like, this is every time Monica pushes a little bit, then Stacy starts to really go after her. And in the next scene, this is when, oh, where'd you get that jacket at the thrift shop? It was like the next. But that's, uh, yes, but that's, it's not Monica's fault for blowing up at Angela. Oh, no, because, not at all. No, because so, I was going to say, like, so what are you saying? Because no, I no, understand. I'm just saying it's unfortunate Angela, that Monica was like that. Like, but they were all going to accuse Monica of this murder, whether or not Angela oh, had done totally, that. totally. 100%. And Angela was not right to... Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know if we... I mean, I think we agree on the same thing, which is that... No, I, I just, Honestly, with me, I think hurt people hurt people. And I'm not going to ask Monica to up the average of the room by I think being you, the most think, host yeah. hurt person. I think Mon- well, all I was trying to say was that the irony of it is, is that like Angela... 
like, I was just saying it's funny because Ma- Angela's trying to defend Monica. Monica comes in and turns on Angela too, basically, because yeah. she didn't trust her, which is fine. But I'm also saying that, like, I'm sure when <laughs> Angela was deliberating about, like, not revealing her as a true murderer and Monica's just getting fucking slammed. Oh, I don't think that has anything to do with I that. I kind of saw that that way a little bit. But that's okay. We, we could see it two different oh, ways. Oh, I think Angela felt completely remorseful the second after it happened. I think she did too. But I also think that, you know, even during then if she... She was happy to have a scapegoat, but I don't think it was because of... I think if the scapegoat happened to be Colt or whatever that Totally. Guy, I agree that with that too. She would too. have been happy with that I'm too. I'm just saying it probably didn't hurt her that bad. No, she stood up for Monica in every FBI investigation. Okay. She like, she like, she always was like... Did she? Yeah. She said she would never... Yeah. She said that, and they were like, oh, she didn't. We don't think she did. But the only p- people who thought Monica was a murderer were the other kids at school who were living under the stigma that, like, she was... Because we'll see with Stacey's parents, they really used poor fucking Monica's situation against her through the end, calling her anti-establishment. It was very pr- it was very Trumpy to me, in a well, way. Well, that's why, in, in Reagan's America, that was a whole thing. Yeah. That's why I was... Yeah. Stacey's, Stacey's parents are gross. The whole thing's gross. Like, but I... I do feel bad. No one's kid should die. I'm just no saying. No one's kid should die, but there's something. This come is why up. you can't be a fucking dick. There's something coming that I think is very important, and I can't wait to get to it. Cause okay. It's- so um, the next day, Angela gets made fun of for her jacket, just like the way that she knew she would. Jill was wrong. This was not all okay. Um, Jamie stays behind and says, like, you know, why did you have to do that? And I'm sitting, I'm still sitting there being like, do what? Like all she did was basically diffuse the situation to a point where people were not going to be throwing hands the first night at this ski trip. Like that's all, that's all, all she any- did was stand up to a bully or but- not, not even, no, she didn't even do that. She just basically said like, come over here. It's okay. And like, just basically tried to separate them. And like, that's not wanting to be Switzerland or even just not have a fight breakout does not mean that you're siding with either person. No, I agree with that. I just think that the way she said to her, hey, kind of like, we shouldn't be reading her diary was taking a stance of like, we shouldn't be reading her diary. This is wrong. Yeah. And I'm saying that's so stupid. Agreed. But that's what set this is what sets but this emotion that, too. Like the, the fact that Jamie, okay, so Jamie's basically like, don't worry about it. Just don't, you know, if I, if, if that point, if I was Jamie, I would have been like, this is fucking ridiculous. And like, I'm staying with you too. If you can't go, then I'm not going either. But this because is like, you yeah, didn't do it's anything. like they're all insecure teenage girls and they don't have the, the no, capacity to do that. But it's like, because they just, she just doesn't want to be left out. It's like better to be in the plastics. And it's like, this is her Gretchen Wieners. This is like, no, her I Karen understand Gre- that. I just think it's stupid. I agree. I, I understand. I completely agree with that. I think, I think it's stupid it's as like, well. I just am like, I, I get in. For me personally, I try to like, per, like understand. Well, Jamie will be crying about this in confession later. So she I hope will. that she can live with it. So Jamie says like, basically just ignore it. And like, maybe you can yeah. hang out be for the, the rest plastics, of the weekend. Yeah. So um, Stacy yells like, hey, Jamie, are you coming? Or are you staying with the strays? Jamie leaves. Then Angela is now alone with Monica, who's just like putting on her Doc Martens and she has these bangle bracelets that are just like jingling. And I'm like, I'm team Monica. So the school listens. I'm team Monica too. And the school listens as the principal gives like the daily notes over the, over the mic, um, the announcements. And he says that cheerleading tryouts are at the end of the day. He asks Stacy once he's off the mic if she's trying out. She says she will. He goes, that's good because you're exactly the kind of girl we need to represent us. And Angela says she's trying out too. And the principal goes, well, that's good. See you later. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that night they have the priest over for dinner. Yes. Angela, what's going on with the school? 
He understands that she's uh, turned into a fine young writer. I loved this priest because he reminded me, like, the closest as anyone ever really talks to my grandfather on TV. Like, the way that he says, like, you know, she's like, I'm joining the Larks. It's a service club. He's like, that's fine. Service is yeah. fine. My grandfather would always say fine like that. Oh, that's- um, so that night, Angela's woken up in her sleep by a bunch of girls standing around her and they're yelling, Larks. And so they flip on her lights. Oh my God, she's in the fucking Larks. Um, they tell her that she's the chosen one. They all sit in the living room of a classmate in the morning. It's like now morning time somehow. Um, in their pajamas, because they were brought out in the way that they were dressed out. It just made me think that she and Stacy were different years, because Stacy is wearing like a cute little like tied up top and a mini skirt. And I'm like, did she? Was she awoken at six a.m. in this mini skirt? Because Angela wasn't even allowed to grab shoes, really. Well, they call that out too, though. They do. They do. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. They go, oh, she must. They go, did she? Did she dress for this? Oh. Because do you remember how the girls go, oh, no, you can only wear what you're wearing. Yeah. And then they were like, did Stacy?" I must have. That was that like chatter. Yeah. I missed that. So um, Stacy's drinking a glass of OJ. She watches on. Um, so I'm going to play this clip. This is the initiation scene. It's a very classic initiation scene. Um, we'll just play it. 2724 to 2836. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, you are the chosen the best and the brightest, the shining stars of the sophomore class. The only thing shiny about me this morning is my nose. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but my mother wrote this. I promised her I'd read it, okay? Okay. <clears throat> if you prove worthy and pass the test, you will be welcomed into a sisterhood of achievement and service. And now, let the initiates come forward for anointment and instruction. Come on, girls, move it! <laughs> Neil? <clears throat> Do you, Stacy Lockwood, promise to abide by the rules, regulations, precepts, and traditions of the ancient and distinguished order of meadowlarks? I don't know. I'm not crazy about rules and regulations. It's okay. We haven't really got any. Just say I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Then I welcome you and anoint you, Meadowlark Lockwood. Formidable. Okay, so they're about, she smears a, a cake, <laughs> cake, cake cutter. Oh, no, oh, yeah. uh, well, the cake cutter full cake of cutter. mayonnaise. Yeah. It's your favorite thing on earth. I can't imagine anything worse. I was going to say they're probably Would you gonna, hurl if they did that to you? I was probably going to say that this was, there was probably jokes made, jokes cut, or some notion around the idea that it's actually very good to put mayonnaise in your hair. Oh, is it good? It's a very good conditioner. You hate mayonnaise. So this though. is a very like I know I hate it. I would hate this, would you but do this it? is a this is a, I'm my point in saying this is that this is a low stakes bullshit initiation. <laughs> yeah, well mayonnaise. Like they there. basically put conditioner in your hair. Mm-hmm. Like cuz mayonnaise is models use mayonnaise as conditioner. Like that was I also of this that. time. This was very like 90s beauty trips like tricks like a uh, like Seventeen magazine would be like put a little dot of blush on your nose so it looks like you were just out in the sun. Like yeah. use mayonnaise in your hair. Like these are like the kind of like quote unquote Pinterest hacks of the nineties models. Um, so their initiation here is to drive around ca- drive around town in a convertible um, in a way that is so dangerous. I don't even know how this was po- how they even filmed this really, especially at the speed they were in going. In the eighties, you didn't have to wear seatbelts and shit. They literally but more were than like- not wearing seatbelts. Ed, let's describe for the people at home. They're driving down the street in a convertible with three of them sitting outside mm-hmm. of the convertible on the trunk, which yeah. is something that I've seen happen in slow beach towns, for example. Yeah. They show that in like movies, like a Miami movie, like hot babes sitting yeah. on the back of the. This they're. 
cruising around town, catching turns with three teenagers <laughs> sitting on the back of this thing. Not only is that so fucking illegal, but the fact that this isn't how one of the cheer, like this isn't the death of the cheerleader shocked me. Cause I was like, this is so dangerous. 16 year old, like girls just flying around. Um, so the whole thing is that they pull over and there's always like, it's some old man in a car. So Stacy gets out. Roll down. What's the dare? Oh, she has to lean in and give him a kiss on the cheek. She jumps back in the car. All the girls squeal. So they pull up to the next guy. He literally looks like he's one of the people from the game Guess Who because he has like a mustache, glasses, and a floppy old man hat. Like he is a Guess Who character. And like, um, it's Angela's turn. She gets out, runs up to the car to kiss him. He starts to roll up the window. She goes, when she goes in for the kiss, he continues to roll it up. So it's like, oh, quote unquote, rejected. And yeah. like the other girls like laugh at her. And I'm like, wouldn't you assume it would take like six tries per person just simply because of the fact that you're trying to get in this person's car window with mayonnaise on your head as a stranger? Yeah. I mean, I would think that, but no, not to the No, effect. these girls are like, oh, these you're bitches. so ugly that this exactly. old man won't let you kiss this him. This 78-year-old man won't will let roll you violate his, him in his roll, vehicle. Yeah, with mayonnaise on your fucking head. For all we know, this man is blind, afraid for his life, yeah, sees his kids once a trying, year. We'll try to go about his day. He's you trying know? to go get his newspaper without getting murdered. I understand. So, um, Carrie comes to visit Angela at home. Sister congratulates her on getting into the popular group, doing the Lark thing. Um, Angela's like, have you ever wished you could be like someone else? And her sister's like, yeah, all the time. And she's like, well, there's this girl at school. She's really popular and I really want her to like me. And her sister's just like, you should be yourself. Embrace who you are. I can't. I want to be better than just me. She's very literal. This is a girl, if she is like the person they are portraying, which is the same thing they did in Conrad and Michelle, as they pointed out, Michelle's a rule follower and a helper. This guy said he wanted to kill himself. She wants to help him. It's not the same, but it's the same. They set up her character to be very, the same way that they made uh, Kaylee Cuoco seem dumb in the Drew Peterson movie. They're kind of setting her up to be a very literal rule-following person. So uh, literal. Like, um, so literal. She's like, I know I want to be, I literally want to be I'm her. going to be in service. Right. <laughs> right. I'm going to serve the community as a lark. Because it will make me popular yeah. because that's earnestly, sincerely yeah, what it's like I want. Earnestly, yeah, it's like literally. Everyone says you want to be popular. Well, I'm going to be popular. Yeah. Um, so I had to cl- take this clip. Normally I don't do two like this back to back, but there's this great clip of um, the kids reading poems in class. And of course our girl Angela gets up first and we'll just let her take it from there. Oh, Ange. I see a boat, its sail swollen with wind, pushing against the current. A V stretched out behind it, marking the waters where it has been. And I see me, adrift on a windless sea. No companion to give me succor. No compass to give me bearing. No port to give me hope. You're quite the critic, aren't you, Court? Okay. Why don't we hear what kind of a poet you are? I see a beaver gnawing on a tree. I'm warning you, Court. No, it's okay. It's now. I see a beaver gnawing on a tree, hot and frenzied, wild and free. That'll be enough, Court. I look at the beaver, I look at the tree, I look and I wonder, why not me? Very good, Court. So good, I want you to trot on down to Mr. Sachs's office and read it to him. Bye-bye. 
Stacy, why don't you go next? Okay. Face like a ghost, hair black as sin. The witch of Santa Mira scratches her chin. She cackles, she gloats, she summons her broom and flies like a banshee right out of the room. I could kill you, Stacy Lockwood. Monica. Stacy, I think you'd better apologize. I'm sorry, Mrs. Chatfield. It was just a poem. It wasn't about her. One of my favorite ways to watch Lifetime movies is on the Lifetime Movie Club, streaming 100 Lifetime movies anywhere, anytime. New movies are rotated in weekly, so you will never run out of new juicy movies to watch. Plus, listeners of Mother May I Sleep a Podcast get an exclusive one-month free trial. Just go to LifetimeMovieClub.com slash malls, and if you're still not convinced, let me tell you about this month's movies. We've got I Am Elizabeth Smart, which I believe was produced by Elizabeth Smart, has Skeet Ulrich in it, and it is beyond creepy. It really... If you ever thought you knew what happened to Elizabeth Smart, watch this because you didn't. Uh, Cocaine Godmother is on there. How could anyone not watch a movie called Cocaine Godmother? And Rules Too Late to Say Goodbye and Committed. Again, to get your free month of Lifetime Movie Club, go to LifetimeMovieClub.com slash malls. That's LifetimeMovieClub.com slash M-O-L-L-S for the exclusive to us offer of one free month. This look that Tori Spelling gives her, it's like, it's a caricature of a look that a mean girl gives in a movie. Like, it's it's iconic. It's it really, really is. Because it's so bad. Like, she's, Tori Spelling's working overtime here. <laughs> and she's about, like, literally something's going to pop. I'm surprised that she didn't fucking spaz out and stab everyone on set. Because she's working hard, okay? Um, <laughs> now, this is where I wrote in my, she's pressed. And I, this is where I wrote in my notes that, like, I could, I wrote... They do a good job with this movie at showing how someone can just chip away at your spirit in high school. Mm-hmm. And it's, and also there's the secondary, which is what Angela's experiencing, which is like watching someone else be the victim of that. And like the duality of her character is that she doesn't want to be that. Mm-hmm. Whereas that would pu- fully completely isolate someone like me. Cause I wouldn't want to get close to her as a result of that. I just would feel terrible and then feel terrible. Like that's all, that's mm-hmm. my personality is I would have a double where I'd be like, not only do I not trust anyone here, but they are so cruel. Like that would just, this, I felt a little broken. Not going to lie. The second time I watched this. So then there are cheer tryouts. Angela, God bless her fucking soul is in her beige keds or whatever. And she's trying to land this routine. It's not great. It, but it's not, it's not the worst either because like she's also like, she has this like fortitude, this like self fortitude where she keeps just being like, you know what? No, I didn't get that right. Let me try again. And she had a good sense of humor about it too. She like she wasn't like, you know, taking it. I mean, I was kind of like, okay, give the girl a chance. Like you can mold this in practice. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. And she also had a dedication. So she says, Stacy, come down. You seem to have it. And like, this is the thing is that Stacy sticked her <sighs> arm movements or whatever. But Tori Spelling can't clap. It wasn't, like, remarkably better at all. And there was no, like, Kelly Kelly Martin's voice had, like, emotion in it. She, like, really wanted the team to win, yeah. right? Stacey's just like, what am I doing? Like, she was, it was very Quinn from Daria. Like, it was just like, there's no emotion <laughs> yeah, here. Totally. You know what I mean? It's just. She's it's, just thinner. It's a show. <laughs> That's literally, she literally is wearing a sports bra. She's wearing a sports That's bra. It. She's rich. And, like, she is probably some sort of, like, she goes to the tennis club on the weekends. Yeah. And so she can, like, has better athletic instincts. But there's no heart there. Yeah. She's not a real cheerleader. 
they had to have Angela on the team if they really wanted to be winners. So, um, the, speaking of winners, this is weird. So the coach says, final tryouts are on Wednesday. On Friday, we'll announce the winners. And I was sitting there thinking, you mean the team? Cause this isn't a contest. This is, are you going to get on the team? Like yeah. it's not like winners and losers. Yeah. And also at what high school would there be an assembly to nominate four cheerleaders in front of the entire school. It's, it would, I, I mean, this seemed like it was probably going to be a five hour ceremony where they brought in all the new, like, varsity yeah, players. Like, what the hell and, is, what the hell's happening? I mean, I, I, don't, I didn't go to a school that did pep rallies. We just didn't care. We cared more about theater, but like the idea of a school caring so much about that the cheer- they would have yeah, a pep like, rally. Like, are these a Toros? You know what I mean? I was like, what's right. happening here? So Angela and her friend run, um, run out of class and they go look at a list that's been posted for the yearbook staff. Angela didn't make it. And Jill's like, wait, what? No, that has to be a mistake. And she's like, I didn't fucking make it, Jill. Um, and Jill's like, no, but you're in the larks now and you, you know, you're going to be on cheerleader. cheerleader. Jill. So they call the new cheerleaders out at the assembly. Angela's not one of them. Stacy is. Um, Again, there's this weird sound effect that they keep do that that keeps happening. I don't know if it's an effect or the way that the sound aged over time, like the way that it translated from whatever that format is to digital, but it's almost like an airplane sounds like it's landing in the movie every time. You can watch it for free on Amazon Prime right now. So Angela's sobbing in the bathroom alone in a stall. Jill tries to get her out, but she's like, she can't. So Angela's walking home much later. Uh, Terry finds her walking down the side of the road. She's driving like the beat up Nova that will wind up later coming into play. Um, and she gets an, as, as Angela gets into the car, um, Terry's, Terry's slicing a cucumber with a knife, Again, just raw dog just in the car. It. And, um, she's eating like literally like the way that like, um, like, like construction workers do in movies where they're just slicing a hunk of ham off of something and eating it off the knife. Like she's eating off a knife. It was very primal. It was super very. primal. It was like, oh shit. Um, it was 1908. Felt like 1908. So Angela and Jill get drunk at Jill's house. Terrible drunk teen acting. Um, Angela's drinking and she goes, I've never done this before. And Jill goes, that's what guys want to hear when you, and Angela's like, ew, sick, gross. <laughs> I, I don't even think about guys. So the two of them were having this like really bad drunk acting scene. Jill tells her, you know what? Fuck all this social stuff you're going through. Come to Roger's party this weekend. Just forget about everything. And Angela takes this as like a moment to turn it into another Stacy opportunity. And she's like, you're right, Jill. That's it. Yep. I'll invite her to a party. I'll invite Stacy to the party with me and she'll have to be it's my gonna friend. It's going to solve all her problems. And so as soon as she turns around, Jill is already drunkenly passed out. Um, and Angela then goes to a payphone in the middle of nowhere and calls Stacy's house, which is, I guess, now that we look back, that was the thing that kept her safe. If that call had come from Jill's house, game over. Right. Um, but she, for some reason, thought to go to a payphone. She calls from the payphone and says, um, hey, you know, I'm a lark. Uh, we're surprising. I know that, I know that, uh, Stacy's at cheerleading camp. I'm leaving this message for you, Stacy's mom, so that you can tell her to be ready next week. We're all doing a big surprise lark center. I'm going to come pick her up at nine. Um, so I read that during the trial of Bernadette, they hinged a lot on this. So the, the payphone, the payphone. It's so weird. Specifically because, and the way I thought it was really clever, the way the movie did this, which the, so they, because they were debating between first and second degree murder, obviously first being intense, Whether second or not, not it being became, intentional. Yeah. So they were hinging on one of the things they hinged upon 
was that, do you remember on when, as Angela? She hanged up she before, hangs she, up before yeah. she says her name. She goes, and who's calling? But, and she's and like, she had already, yeah. she's already like, but on this, and this version, Angela's so elated. Oh, she's got discos she's running like, in her brain. She's like, me and Stacey are going to be besties. Yeah. So she's like, hey, on the phone, like, oh girl, this is going to be so great. Yeah. But on the trial, they were like, she deliberately withheld her identity so she could trick sure. her. And I'm like, fuck. I mean it. So this is Angela's what, just getting, you know, and it's one of those things. It's just like an accidental, right? Because knowing Angela, she probably, I don't know, who knows? Probably would have just said Angela. You know what I mean? Oh, it's, but who knows? I, I mean, don't know. so this is so the audience doesn't know in case you haven't seen this movie. What this, what the trial boils down to, because she does confess to the murder, is whether or not this is first or second degree murder. Right now, this is. We'll talk about it later, but. That's what this whole trial was. This normally would not have been a trial as she did confess to the murder. Right. But it became about whether or not this was premeditated. And it became a public hanging. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so her, her being um on a payphone did strike me as odd. But back then, like, there would be a thing. If you went to your friend's house and you had to walk home... You probably would walk by a payphone and you'd think, I don't even want to wait. I'm just going to, I'm just going to. 100%. And also a lot of houses only had one line. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So if your mom was on the phone, you couldn't use the phone. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or if at any point, like also they didn't have caller ID back then. Right. So it wasn't really like, so it just, there were a lot of reasons why the payphone was completely innocuous. Right. Like there were payphones everywhere in the that payphone era. is what made and broke her in a lot of ways because at the same time it's like it's like well she was smart not to use a payphone i got her an extra six months out they probably wouldn't have ever been able to pin it on her because she called from a payphone it would have come down to angela or jill pretty quickly but yeah i mean it was also just people be using payphones back then they were literally everywhere you everywhere could, i see payphones constantly every day also if you wanted to have privacy you're a teenager you want to privacy you go use a payphone yeah totally so angela's mom is driving her over to her babysitting charge that night she's about to start a night of babysitting and she's selling it too much she's doing the most she's like yeah mom they're the best kids ever i love them i love babysitting for this family babysitting for this family it's my fucking life where yeah. are you gonna see me on a friday this family Babysitting. She's like, like she's while I'm praying to Jesus really, in the house as I'm babysitting. Really selling it. She's got that, mom. And then this is weird, beyond weird, okay? Her, she and her mom get to the house and she's like, mom, you know what? You should leave the car here. Just walk home four or five blocks mm-hmm. and leave the car here. I would feel a lot safer if people thought that an adult was home and there was a car in the driveway. Mm-hmm. And her mom's like, well, why? But Angela, you're, you're on your permit. I can't let you drive the car. And she's like, come on, mom. It's only four or five blocks. Do you have, first of all, my mom wouldn't let me drive till I was 20, two zero. And the only reason why she ever let me drive is because she got married to a guy who said, Shauna, this is fucking insane that you've never let your 20 year old daughter drive. That's the only reason why I got my license at age 20. Now, if I had been 15, and my mom was dropping me off for a job and I sprung on her. Hey, mom, just walk home. Leave the car to me, a person who cannot legally drive because of some fictitious narrative in which I am safer if there's like an old car parked outside of the driveway. I, I don't understand how this happened. Okay. See, this is where we differ again because I knew how to hustle my dad. So your dad would have given you an unlicensed 100, teenager. If I had said I, cause I was watching this. I'm like, Oh, totally. Would have, I would have done the, I probably would have had the, I wouldn't do it to murder someone, but if I wanted to go to a party 
and I was faking a babysitting thing and I lived three blocks away and I knew I could hustle. No, first of all, this is okay. You have to remember too, Angela's like the youngest. I think she's the youngest of six. So when you're the youngest child, you know how to wh- whittle your parents down. You just weren't this person in high school. By the time you needed to steal a car from your dad, you were already a driver. Right. But the thing was my own. So I just feel that her hustling, this was not for me. This wasn't so out of far the realm of possibility because this like, was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I knew how to do that. I knew how to be like, we only live two blocks away from home. You like exercise. You actually love running. So I was thinking, why don't you leave the car here? I would feel much safer. What if a murderer came? Anyway, but your you dad could, let you would let you participate in a crime because it is a hundred percent. It's a crime for her to 100%. just hundred percent. He didn't because for four blocks, four blocks oh, away. My mom would have killed me. Yeah, my dad would have been like, I, "Nothing's gonna happen," and nothing. The ever other thing happen. here too that's to remember, I and mean, this is not the case. In the, by the, the way, nothing happened except murder. But no, this is not. This is not <laughs> true in the movie either, or in real life mm-hmm. either. But in the movie, her dad's a mechanic, and I was like, "Well, she probably has been like starting up old beaters, you know, while yeah, her dad's yeah. fixed for years." But in real life, her dad was, he worked in an engineer. Engineer, yeah. yes. But he, so he pro- she probably didn't have driving experience. I thought this, I, is this really how she got the car in real life? I, I want to say this is exactly how she got the car. She literally said to her mom, I would feel safer if the car, if it looked like someone's home, which by the way is a fair thing when you're a teenage girl and you're babysitting by yourself. Yeah, but I babysat by myself every single fucking weekend and I never got my mom to br- commit a crime. By a, I mean, facilitating it's, it's, me to it's commit. Four blocks. Like, My it's mom just, would it's, say to me, Molly, if you're so scared of someone breaking in the house when you have all the lights on and the door shut in a suburban neighborhood, you're not mature enough to be babysitting. And I would have said to my dad, get to fucking walking. <laughs> well, I would have been like, you need to leave these you have never, You have never been a teenage babysitting girl in the suburbs of Massachusetts, okay? I haven't. I'm no, telling I've, you, been, I've been a California boy my whole life, ain't and I nobody, will tell you. Ain't nobody given a teenager without a license a fucking car to drive for one, four, five, or 20 blocks. Yeah, unless you're Angela fucking Del Vecchio or Edward Hansen, because I fucking got... See, that sounds like a that sounds like a Stacy move to be able to... Totally. Suck, by not the way, an I agree Angela with you. Move. I agree with you. But that is it, not some working class shit. Every car Angela means everything. Angela was just... Angela had to get Stacy to that party. Ugh. This is her... This is her moment, Molly. This but this is, is where moment. I also look at Valerie Harper and I say, well, bitch, you know what? You were certainly, <laughs> you were worried about that $75 ski trip, but you're not worried about your daughter who, you know, that's also you, very fair. How do you that's know she's not, fair poking, fair. she's not poking around in the liquor cabinet when she's babysitting here? Fair. How do you know? Those are all very fair points. I, I would just say. never saying. give my unlicensed, first of all, teenagers aren't allowed to drive at night. Period. Teenagers are insane. I should not have been on the roads, but I literally... No, I'm but just, you were never underage on the roads at night. It was 100, just, I 100% was. I literally... I was Unlicensed on the not, road at night as a teenager? Um, I've, you know, back in the day, I would drive around by permit sometimes. Like, you know, and like, you just... When you're a teenager in California, sometimes you just steal the car. I don't know. You never stole a car? You never were no. like, you never, did you ever, literally I, no, I no never even, steal a car? I, I never me? even sat in the driver's seat of At my mother's car. At one time I lived in a gated community and I would take the car and I would drive it around the gated community. And I, my the dad, first time I sat in and a, my dad would just say, don't leave the gated community. And I just did not well, that's weird. And I, I would know. like our I, audience at home to chime in on whether or not. And by the way. But you know what? Get I your did... shit together, people. Like, what the fuck is going on? You cannot let an unlicensed teenager drive around. But you know what? It made me a really good driver, number one. And number two, I also didn't kill anyone. Okay, this isn't about you. This is about Angela and her mom. I did not murder mom. Stacey Lockwood. This is a lower-class mother-daughter combination. <laughs> These people are 
They, they're driving around junkers. This is her father's living. Get She's, your step in, mom. She is driving in her mother and her Let's father's living. Let's go. You got to burn those calories, mom. Come anyway, on. Get your walk started, this mom. This is not Let's normal. Go. I mean, the, no. This is not on brand Come with on, Angela. Mom, I know you wanted to get the exercise. You're pulling Stacy. We're talking Angela. That's your. That's a Stacy move is to say, mom, you should get some exercise. Angela, <laughs> who's just been overselling. Totally. Angela, who just upsold the idea of being at these people's houses mom, unnecessarily for 15 minutes. I'm terrified that a murderer might come and find me. So if we could leave this um, Pinto in the driveway so that they know it wasn't the help like is home. That. It wasn't like, don't, don't <laughs> Stacify Angela. Okay, you're Stacy. Get out of here. Leave my house. I end up killed. Well, I, know. <laughs> I know. But like, that is so... You wouldn't be that mean, though. You would never be like that. Are you that. kidding me? I, w- I was 100% Angela in high school. Are you kidding me? All I wanted so to be... So you agree it's insane for her father to her mother to have left her the car. Right. You, but you what agree. I, but, okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> I don't agree with that because what I'm saying is it's not... We're, we're, we're It's okay. We, we're adults. We can agree to disagree. I'm saying <laughs> that what I'm saying is, is that Angela played some ransom game on her mom and she succeeded sure. and I've done sure. the same. And it's like what she did. And, and, you know, it doesn't make her any less goody goody. I'm going to tell the part where she killed Stacey. Right. But, you know, until that part happened. This, to me, was too metal. This was too metal for me. So, Angela gets to Stacy's house. It's a, there's a, I watched it with the captions one time, and, like, the little captions <laughs> said, like, loud rock and roll music. She's, like, oh. blasting some fucking music on the way over. She's feeling herself. She's living life. I still barely listen to music in the car, because oh. I'm afraid I'm going to get into a car accident. You don't know what you're missing. It's so great. No, I, I do like music in the car. You love it. But if I was Angela, I would have been... Focus. When I drive my new, like I'm still in my, my, I upgraded my mini. You guys, I'm not rich. I just upgraded it. And from, because it was my interest rate is lower now. I feel, I haven't even said to anyone that I got a new car because I feel guilty that I got a new car. Oh, you should feel 100% not guilty. It was actually a thousand dollars cheaper overall for me to get a new car. It was a good deal. That's because my interest rate was at seven motherfucking percent when I got my car. It was a really good deal. Seven percent was my interest rate. Do you understand? I, see, I'm so dumb with numbers. That I didn't know that the, how bad that was. But you had to get that interest rate because you had to do I what you had to do. I wasn't even going to get a car. Yet I know. It, and that's that's life, right? You do what you got to do, like Angela. Yeah, so don't say I haven't earned the right to talk she, about lifetime for 20 hours a week in my house. Yeah, she can drive a four-door <laughs> mini if she fucking wants, okay? Right. Also, this doesn't pay for our life. Check out patreon.com slash MMISWP. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to send Molly accessories for her mini, if, you can. Not even accessories. Like, if you would like to help me keep my house and wagon stuff flush and treats. I'm not poor, but, I mean, God God forbid this is my art. Yeah. Okay, so anyway. Um, Angela gets to Stacy's house, and Stacy comes down, and she's just, like, sprinting down this driveway like a fucking gazelle. And then she gets to Angela's door, and she's like, oh... She's like, I knew this was an alert dinner. I asked oh, around. It's you. Yeah. It's you, which is the rudest, most vicious thing you can say to someone. It as was you, really dehumanizing. It was so, de- oh, it's you. But Angela pressed forward nonetheless. So she goes, uh, Angela says, uh, she knows, um, she knows there's not a alert dinner. That's what I told your mom. So you could come tonight. Where? Roger Huntingley's house. He's having a party. And Stacey's like, a party. Well, okay. <laughs> yep. Which I'm like, she's on board. She's on board. Which I also thought was a little desperado. Like, there's enough functions happening on in, in a town on a on a Friday night that like you don't have to for who who the fuck is Roger? How does Jill well, know Roger? Because well, this is this is the crux of it, right? This is going to be one of the cruxes of it. Of it. 
because they're getting invited to what it sounded like a hot senior party. Here's the thing. I thought Angela fucked this up, and I'll tell you why when we get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Angela fucked it up, but I understand. Oh, totally fucked it up. Oh, yeah, Angela she did. dropped the ball. She dropped the ball. But also weird. Okay, yeah, yeah. We'll get I to mean, there. Angela, let's just say this is not the first of... Angela, Angela... fumbles constantly. Like, this Angela's is... all fumbles. I, um... I can't write you that excuse. It's Butterfinger still Vecchio over there. Yeah. She fucking drops the ball at every turn. I'm surprised she could even stab Stacey. So st- I'm surprised she dropped the fucking knife stab and herself. herself. I mean, literally, I'm shocked. So Stacey makes We've fun of her, her car. Like, great wheels. Um, yeah, just digging in harder from the beginning. Yeah, and then she's like, so she's like, what's with the knife? And Because um, Angela's sister's center console knife for her vegetables mm-hmm. is still there. There's like two loose peeled carrots and a knife in the center console console so then stacy's like oh whatever um classy family you've got and then she's like yeah because she eats in her car that makes her less classy right right it's like what is she like some like workman who's like fucking putting spam between wonder bread and his vehicle like it's just like it's a dark image that she assigns to them yeah so Stacy uh, makes fun of the car, uh and then she says like so what's with the party tonight and she goes oh it's like some older kids and she goes i think i'm gonna have to fortify myself I've never heard of anyone calling getting stoned fortifying, fortifying themselves. Yeah. But she's like, pull over. And Angela's like, wait, what? She's like, pull over. So they get to the church parking lot. Let's let's just play this scene out. Okay. We're going to play through the murder. What are you doing? Did your brain die or something? What does it look like I'm doing? Oh. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) It's just a little grass. I know. I just don't feel like it. So, tell me about this party. What's to tell? (sighs) I don't know. Maybe, like, how you got invited? (laughs) Um... Well, um, I, w- I wasn't invited exactly. It was my friend Jill. She said that it's okay. Wait. You're going to crash and you plan on taking me along for the ride. Oh, no. It's okay. Jill said it was no, fine. No, it's not okay. Maybe you're into public humiliation, but I'm not. But, Stacy, it's not a problem. You know what? This is a really bad idea. You better just take me home. That would spoil everything. There was never anything to spoil. Look, Angela, I'm not going to a party where I wasn't invited. And I wouldn't go to that party if I had been invited. Why are you so mean? <laughs> Come on, put a lid on it. Let's go. I don't understand. I just want to be your friend. Sure. And I want to fly to the moon. I admire you, Stacy. I've always admired you. You're so pretty and funny and confident. You're pathetic. All I want is to be like you. That's it. I'm out of here. Wait, wait, no. You know what? You are even weirder than I thought. Why don't you give Monica a call? Maybe she could be your date. No, Stacy, that's not what I meant. So now we're back to the beginning. We're seeing her at the door of the people in the beginning's house. Yep. Now, were you called weird in school growing up? So I wanted, this is what I wanted to say. Because weird was the word that was, that was, weird, the specific word was always thrown at me. And I have a very strange relationship now to, with it to this day. Okay. So another thing I want to tap into. Yes or no, were you called weird? Yes, I was. Okay. I was called weird. Okay. However... This is something that when I started reading over the trial and I read about and I thought about the context of the era they were living in, 
nerd isn't even the half of it. Then you love this one. She tells me how yep. pretty and funny and confident I am. <laughs> There's a line coming up that I have like I mean, I underlined. She was weird. Jeez, it was like she was asking me out on a date or something. Gay. Here we go. Signaling. It's gay panic. Yeah. The murder was gay panic. That's what this was all about. This was the Jenny Jones thing. There was she a, was afraid. It was, yeah. It's gay panic. She was afraid of being called a lesbian. That would have been way worse for her than anything she could have even That is the darkest shit. That is why she killed this girl. Be- and by the way, this... That was it. This has happened all over America. It's like it's got its own thing. Gay panic right yeah. here. That's, I was afraid they were gonna call me gay. That was the thing. Yeah. It's better that she gets stabbed than to go back to school and call her gay. That's how internally homophobic they are in this Catholic community. You're so right. It's exactly what it is. Like. It also like wasn't even religious. It just still was like new. To like, you know, like gayness at being out was still. I just think that in the threads of this like overtly Christian community service, serve others community, the 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 thought that this girl, because I also, and here's the thing, but too. in all of America, this was like this was that the idea of someone. Even, right. You know, this All is like, we see this yeah. still in rap. 100%. No homo. Like, I can't no even homo. say I love hugging my friend. Like, I can't say I'm a guy, I'm a guy, and I love hugging my guy friend because that's my guy friend. It always has to be a p- punctuated no homo. But you know, there were legal people literally, and you know, that's that people would use his legal defense, gay panic. Sure. Because it, he made it, he, he made a move on me. You know, and this is reverse gay panic, basically. Gay yeah. Angela panic that she would be outed even though she's not gay. Therefore, she needed to kill Stacy, and yep. well, she black. She fucking blacked out. Yeah, obviously. But that because well, that was the that was the journey her brain on. Her brain went from she's so weird, she's a nerd, she must be in love with me. Then she said they they said um, she should dig a hole in the dirt and drag it drag it back in over her or something. And the way that they said it was so it was just such like a, an interesting way of saying she should kill herself. That I, I wrote it down because I was like, this is more hurtful than someone just saying, kill yourself. And it was also interesting too that like, you know. She should dig a hole and pull the dirt in after her. And in Heather's, when Veronica and Heather Chandler get into their big fight, it was a lot of, before Heather gets killed, the big hint, the big thing was like, oh, just wait till I get to school on Monday. Yeah. It was that element of like, when you get to school on Monday, your life, you're over. Yeah. You're over. Yeah. And, and, and in a blind rage to prevent that, you know what I'm saying? Like Angela did what she had to do. It's just interesting. All these elements of like how this story influenced all these different, you know, female centric high school, you know, dark murder. Do you think at the core of it, this is a case, uh, this murder happened because of gay panic. At its I, core. This is the conclusion I came to after mm-hmm. watching this twice. And after reading about the times and after, and there's going to be another scene coming up, which I know you are cued in on when Angela's giving a certain someone, you know, like some counseling. Oh yeah. And I feel that the that girl was for sure a lesbian. Well, I think the subtext too of, of that girl is saying I'm ostracized because yeah. I'm different. I am weird. Yeah. There, you can't relate to this. Yeah. And Angela 
for Angela coming from this Italian Catholic family, sure, would that's the worst thing she could. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, how you know, la, you know. So it's almost like to me, she con- completely condescended to this girl who was probably queer and maybe smoked marijuana. Completely condescended, to you her. know. And like it was, it, it just is. You're so. I mean, you're so right. And like this whole, the way that this whole scene stacked out, the way it played out, which was, she's a nerd. She's probably gay. She should just like throw herself in a in a pit and die. Like it was a really fucking. This is a le- I think a lesson of writers because I feel like nowadays th- saying like they said online she should kill herself. Like that is really harsh. Yeah, it's, but it it's doesn't. It, but it doesn't horrible. touch on all the things that make people say something that mean. And like that's what we got out of that monologue was he stepped it out. It's like. The way that a person's brain graduates to that last place, like where they say, like, you might as well just die. Yeah. And I think that, um, just the idea that that fate that she would suffer when she got back to school on Monday yeah. of her being this of person was worse than her killing this girl, even though we know that right. this is a, a, this is a compound issue. The compound issue being that. She was a teenager, probably with the like maturity level of like a twelve-year-old, you know. And that fear is what makes it a crime of passion. Yeah, exactly. And that's the difference between premeditation is that like she had a a a panic, a moment of panic. panic. Yeah, she panicked. It's a it's a thing, and she did it. And And that's how you make a second-degree murder, my friends. Okay, um, that's all I'm saying. So. She gets home. She, I, I just wrote it's alarming to watch Kelly Martin kill someone because, like, of what everything I know. Yeah, because Kelly about. Martin is like so nurturing. She's, she's always a, like a she's good the nurturing baby girl. older sister. Yeah. Um, even when she was the poor girl on a face on a milk curtain had gone through fucking traumas. So, um, she pulls off and is hysterical. She goes home and she cleans the knife, puts it into the kitchen drawer. Um, that's how like inexperienced she is as well. Like that's how one hundred percent because you would know like any any person who's meditated, yeah, or premeditated would have known that like they would have like tried to bury that, get rid of that. She put it, in, you right. know what I'm saying? Like, that's... but what if she just meditated? Like if Angela from day one, speaking of what meditation, if she transcendental meditation. What if what if Angela went back, fucking meditated <laughs> after that pep, that that pep rally and said, you know what, I am who I am and I like who I am. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm gonna be great with my friends like Jill. That empower me. I don't right. need any of this. That's what they could have used. A little less gay panic, a little bit more TM. Mm-hmm. That's what they some, could have used. Some good ass TM. Um, so the next day she's in the shower when she gets a phone call from Jamie. This is also very telling. She has a phone call from J- Jamie. Her mom literally gets her out of the shower and is like, Jamie's crying. Come to the phone. Also, if anyone, if you're out there and you probably are, cause you're all my age, if you listen to this podcast, your ass got the fuck out of the shower to take a phone call sometimes. You'd be dripping wet mm-hmm. taking a phone call. Mm-hmm. So Angela watches the reports of uh, the death in the news. Or, oh, sorry. So she gets out of the shower. She takes the phone call. She says, hello. And then she says nothing. And the first words out of her, her mouth are, you're right. It has to be some crazy person. So her takeaway from this is like, I'm separating myself from that craziness because yeah. I'm not crazy. I'm Angela. It's what is that? It's cognitive dissonance. Yeah. She's practicing cognitive dissonance. Oh. But also, she's doing the opposite of moving herself away from what she thought she'd be showing up to school on Monday to. Mm-hmm. She's immediately saying all those, not only like, am I not weird because Stacy can't tell any of you yeah, I am. I'm not, yeah, I'm not. But weird, whoever would do that is crazy. 
Yeah. You're right, Jamie. And I, me, Angela, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. That, that, that girl's not here. She, but like never once does she say, and it's so interesting. Never once does she say like, Oh my God, or I'm so sorry, or any of the things you would think she would have spent the night trying to remind herself to say <laughs> when this comes out. Like if I kill someone, I'm going to go home and run the facts over a few times in my head and just be like, just in case you get caught for this, you should say you're sorry when you hear she finds <laughs> out she dies. Yeah. You should act surprised, even. Um, so Angela watches the reports of her death on the news with Jill. They're looking for a teen girl with medium-length brown hair, brown sweater, and red sweatpants who drives a Nova. Angela says, I've got brown hair, and I drive a Nova. And Jill says, don't be ridiculous, Angie. No one's going to suspect you. You're the nicest girl in Santa Mira. So they're at Stacy's funeral. The whole school is there. Tons and tons of popular girls are there. They're just, like, draped in pearls. The pearls are really shown up to this. Angela has, like, sort of, like, a white Peter Pan bib neckline over, like, a, a sweet black sweater. I mean, Angela's just the best. Um, Sorry. I know she's a murderer, but she's just the best. So then she goes in to meet with a police officer. Um, We're also supposed to understand that this meeting with the police officer and the one she has coming up later, they're both done without the supervision or knowledge of her parents, which is illegal for a minor to be questioned by the police. Like, there's no... There's literally no, like, that that was just glossed over. For all her parents know, she's, like, sharpening pencils for the librarian. So, um, he's like, don't be alarmed. Stacey's mom said the callers said they were a lark, so we're questioning everyone. And Angela said she was babysitting that night. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, girl, I know they didn't have... I know that they didn't have law and order. But, like, surely they had an equivalent at the time that made sure that you knew to, like form a rock-solid alibi. When do alibis hit the zeitgeist? Because for me, I've always known, if you don't have an alibi, you don't have shit. Like, so she goes and gives a false alibi, Mm -hmm. which is so easily disproven. Um, The Nova, she says, is her sister's. Her dad owns it, but it's her sister's. He's actually just fixing it up for her. He's working on one for her, too. Yeah. Um, He asks how well she knows Stacy. Stacy, she's not very well. She explains that she kept to her clique, really. Um, She was really a popular girl. Like, whenever the cops say to her, "What?" but, like, what about Stacy? She'd be like, well, she was very popular. She keeps coming back to that as if that's a personality trait. Um, And they start to ask, you know, why would someone want her dead? And she's like, I don't know. And then, like, well, maybe, you know, someone wanted her dead. Um, She denies that it would be Monica. But then she goes, maybe it was someone she put down. Stacy was real funny, and sometimes her jokes were at people's other people's expense. So you think someone would kill her just because she made fun of them? It's not hard to explain. She was very popular. Yeah. That is not a real thought. Like, and to any normal person, I mean, of course the cop's ears were, like, up. But, like, Angela thinks that that's a real statement, is to say, like, she was very popular. Surely you must understand. Um, so on her way out of the door, he's like, would you mind taking a lie detector test? She's like, Sure. Again, all this without parental supervision. So she's asked uh, during her lie detector about babysitting and killing Stacy, and she completely fails the test. Um, when we hear on the news um, a bit later that 300 people, it's now two months later, we hear that 300 people and 700 Novas have been inspected and questioned and all this stuff for this whole process. But they're not any closer to finding the killer. Mm-hmm. And Stacy's parents have decided to call a press conference because they want answers. Um so let's just watch this press conference, which I'll say, you know, um, maybe put some like Trump, Trump references into your head. Cause this is really the sort of like signaling, not to a much lesser degree, but there's signaling going on here yeah, that is 100%, very yeah. dangerous. 
than at the beginning of their long investigation. Frustrated by official failure to uncover their daughter's killer, Dick and Dana Lockwood called a press conference today to ask the public to cooperate in solving this crime and to urge investigators to refocus their efforts, seeking the killer not in the outlying communities, but in the Santa Mira student body. We broke our silence today because school was about to start up. And we strongly feel that the killer may be among those. Her parents are like, just like the fucking rich, cunty assholes. You know they are. Yeah, Stacy and her mom have the exact same haircut. Yeah. An all American kind of girl. All American kind of girl. She was the establishment. The establishment. And we have to ask ourselves if her killer was not anti establishment. Gee, who's anti establishment in their school? I wonder. Who looks anti establishment? My well, wife I guess, I don't know. Why don't you ask the West Memphis Three? Like, I mean, yeah, Siri, this, is how, this is how this happens. I don't happens. know. Could it be we will never forget the goth the girl? I don't know. Off. Maybe it's her. So She's in the establishment, it seems like. The ambulance. Shock and grief will be with us forever. But the grief we have suffered is nothing compared to the pain and terror that Stacy went through on that terrible night. So I don't I feel like they believe that. Must be now suffering as well. Come forth. Come forth. Confess. And ease the pain that all of us are feeling. For some reason, when very... When people who have to be somewhat emotionally fractured to be as far ahead in life as they are, try to harken up images of like, well, if you think our horror is like bad, you must think about Stacy's. And it's like, I don't think you do think much about that. I think that you know that that's an emotional talking point. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a. Because if her parents thought much about anyone, they probably wouldn't be out trying to peg an, it's like, it's trying to peg an anti-establishment person. To me, that's like very much like, you know, a politician slinging mud at like. Well, what I think too, is that I think her parents legitimately thought Monica did it. And the fact that Monica wasn't getting arrested faster, I think, is where they... Was there a real-life goth girl at yeah, the school? Yeah, that girl. That's real. Okay, well, no, tell me about yeah, 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 it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wasn't there in the was Wikipedia. this girl, I think her name was Heather. I'm, like, trying to find really? it. Really? Yeah, and she did say something along... Okay, so Heather had been a preppy. She went out with the soccer player, had been a member of the little social circles in the quad at lunch, like they said. She had fit in, but now she acted in a way that set her apart from others in school. When she was invited to join the Bobby, she turned them down. She slipped out of the preppy mode, dyed the top of her hair dark hair blonde, and dressed in an expensive punk style. So this is the Okay. Okay. She later said that the other kids kind of resented it. By unspoken agreement, she and the school's popular kids quit saying hello to one another in the halls. Um, the whole town of Verena, this is her, seemed to want me to feel bad because I dyed my hair and I was not part of the social scene, Heather later wrote in a class essay. This is what I was guilty of in reality. I was guilty of being myself, but I will not change. Yeah. Okay. And so at one point, Heather and... Was a suspect. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. she really was. And so um even people who weren't close to either girl said that Heather had hated Kristen for her elitism. Sure. And once in biology class, she said, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kill you. Heather said that never happened, but that happened in the right. movie. Right, and like, this except- is where I will say, I mean, I'm not going to call bullshit on Heather, but, like, I love someone in, like, wealthy, like, a punk costume calling a girl, like, elitist. Like, it's like, well, it's not like you thrift shopped all that black, like, that black Yeah, clothing. you're wearing, like, like a $500 from your, the system. Yeah, she's also, Heather's from... 
her parents are wealthy too. Yeah. The Cranes. And they were getting like, they, so the whole town thought Heather did it. Right. And that's why I was saying like, cause I think, and it, it was, it's. No, so, I, I just didn't know that she, I'm glad that she was a real person because I couldn't find that in my, the my other thing brief that was research. Suspect, and this is actually very, sm- not, it's fun. So Heather's mother would not allow her daughter to be put on a lie detector test. Good. Which is, if you look, and nowadays we see that as like a positive thing, yeah. but they saw that as guilt. Sure. Because they, I mean, it is suspicious, but I mean, at least some fucking parent in this had some sort of intervention because it, from what we see in this movie, if Angela was any sort of given anywhere near the treatment that Bernadette was, she showed up solo. I mean, it's also the difference between wealth and lack of wealth sort right. of is like knowing your rights. And that's a classic issue is that, you know, usually the... Further up you are in life, you're more aware of how to get off. And you probably also know that lie detector tests can be incredibly unreliable and not submissible in court anyway. And so you're probably like, no, I'm not allowing her. No, because what if she fucking loses it? And then right. we're going to hinge that and then the, this is done. Well, here's knew, the other thing. Because Heather too. had an alibi. It's all court of public opinion and that, and Heather did have an alibi. But the other thing too was that this murder is 100% circumstantial. And that happened mm-hmm. that the night that the guy decided to peel off and not deal with it right. or whatever it is he did. He lost Angela when he was looking for her. Um, like this, this is all, it's all kind of piecing things together. Yeah. This is at best. That's what this is. So, um, if Bernadette, if Bernadette slash Angela doesn't slash hadn't come forward, this case would be basically impossible to prove because DNA wasn't a heavy, it wasn't used at all at the, at, in 84 at all. Yeah. It wasn't, um, it would have been really hard to figure out. Wouldn't have been admissible, but the, but they would have been considered evidence. I mean, it's just, it's, this is, she would have gone away with this basically. Yeah. If her, the one thing, I agree with you. The only thing that was wonky was her fucking made up alibi. Sure. And she should have just said something like, mom, just say I was home at night. But that's still for, okay, we'll see, see later, but for still, for some reason, I guess that, you know, if we're saying beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. You, right. You, she could have won it. She could have won she it. She could have won it. She totally probably could have won it. No, um, especially Angela if it was, was a jury trial. If Angela would, yeah. had really, in fact, been evil. Oh, if they trotted out character, if this had been a jury trial, if she hadn't, if she had if admitted Monica to it. If Monica had been up there. Yeah. Shh. If she had admitted to it. If Angela had not admitted to this, this would have been a jury trial against her and she would have won that jury because if they had to trot out character witnesses, Kristen would have gone down every day of the week. Stacy would have gone down yeah. every day of the week, right? Yeah. So a lot of girls did not like that's the thing. They, Jamie even admits it at the end of this movie. She uh, yeah. says, I didn't particularly like Stacy. Like one of the real life descriptions of this is horrible. And also I, you know, I feel bad because Kristen is a murder victim and clearly like we obviously sympathize with her. But the thing is, is that no one needed to die. We'll no one needed that. to die for this. The thing, the way that I found this very interesting is like even the way they're describing uh, Stacy slash Kristen. Uh, one of the girls, this is like on quote. Um, they describe her as. Oh, we used to say Kristen had everything. Kristen, she was skinny. She sometimes wore tie dyed socks. What people are wearing now. I remember watching her after male cheater. Everyone wanted to be like her, but then they go on. They say that she, um, she was cute, not beautiful. An all American girl, girl, more like a sports illustrated swimsuit model than a playboy type. Not a bad description, but she was cute, not beautiful. Like, okay. Right. Like, okay. Why, why are we pinging her down a little bit at postmortem? I mean, honestly, let's just be real. 
People can be fucking shitty. Vicious. No, no. Shady. People can be fucking shitty, terrible people and still not deserve to die. Yeah. And I agree that it's right. weird that they're taking yeah. down her looks post-mortem. But if we're going to give contextual analysis to this, yeah. what made Stacey popular or Kirsten in this case was like not just the, the self-esteem that came with being rich. Like she, her, her weapon in this is not necessarily her looks. Mm-hmm. It's her access. Yeah. And she had access to a certain amount of, you know, she had access to money. She had access to an attitude. She was given a confidence in life that was reinforced time and time again by not really having to worry about anything. She was assured and not a lot of people have assurance in life. And so if you're going to say this wasn't the prettiest girl in the world, but she was cute and she was fucking vicious, that's, that tells me something. You know what I mean? Because, like, if she was a model, then it would make Bernadette seem, I don't know. I don't know. It sounded to me. I think pointing out that this wasn't driven by a jealousy of looks or something is kind of important, even though it's petty. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, because, because. The both of these, like the actress and the real life Bernadette, yeah. were actually quite. They're quite pretty girls. Yeah, I think it's more about, and I agree with you. I think, I think. Do uh, you have a just, picture of Bernadette? Yeah, here's Bernadette. Because I'm sure to this day, there's oh, she's beautiful. No, totally. She's like a totally. She's beautiful. I. She looks like someone I know, and I can't put my finger on it. But this is. She has an everyday girl quality too. This like, is the kind of girl that every guy I went to college with married. Yeah, one hundred. She like, looks just like that. It's almost yeah. like a very Protestant type face. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, she has <laughs> waspy almost. Yeah, but she, there's a little Italian in a there. A little Italian in there, and I think what it's I think waspy. It, what I think it was was that I think Kristen was like very fit. I think she dressed really well, and I think she had yeah. this amazing energy, an energy that was scary. And she was money pretty. She was money pretty, and she also had that like magnetic quality that people that she comes had that, with that, access that, and experience and right. But also the kind of quality that could turn on you, and also the kind of quality like she could use that energy for well, good. Well, because for evil. nothing meant anything to her because she could buy it and buy a new one. Right, but the, that aside from that, I think she also could. She could. You could be a good person and be rich. You don't have to be a fucking... No, but yeah. I think that the people who are like that, it's because it's like the money fuels what was already rotten in them or so. No, not that. It's like the, she was just raised to know that she was kind of untouchable. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they were throw money at the problem people and not everyone's like that. Some people, they don't just throw money at their problem even though they have it mm-hmm. or they do, but they make the person be responsible. Yeah. I feel like Stacy just was like that type of kid that I grew up with that was just like... I grew up with kids like that that were just like... You're a fucking piece of shit because you know you don't need to worry about anything and your mommy and daddy get off on letting you know you don't need to worry about anything. Like, that sort of, like, attitude where it's like... Well, that's how she's being portrayed here, for sure. Yeah. I grew up with one girl like that who I remember said something like... She said something, like, offhand that I thought was not an offhand comment but was so telling. But she said something like, oh, my dad says that, like, I don't, I don't need to worry about that sort of thing. And it was, like, kind of like a real-life sort of problem. It was something stupid, like, logistical thing. She was like, my dad said I don't have to worry about that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, you mean the rules don't apply to you? Like, it was really – and I knew they didn't because her dad could buy her out of it. But it was like, oh, you're that type of person that lives above the law. Right. Fucking weird, right? Yeah. So – um. The next day at school, um, they're listening to the principal, um, on the announcements. It's the first day of school. 
Um, Monica is completely isolated. Now, instead of just having, you know, one empty seat around her, there's an entire, like, cluster of seats, a good 12 seats around her that are yeah, empty. Yeah, Monica's getting, like, things thrown at her face. They're throwing spitballs at her. It's disgusting. It's horrible. And Angela's, Angela's watching this and she does look torn up watching it happen. Um, she doesn't feel good about it, but she's also not, she, Angela, she's that type of person that if you had to ask someone to walk in the room and find the person with the guilty face, that would be her. But no one's paying attention to her. Um, so she signs up to be a candy striper at the hospital. She tells us to Jill. She's also a peer counselor and a lark. Um, they're interrupted by the sound of screaming as um, a bunch of popular girls chase Monica through the school. Mm-hmm. Um, they look just past her and Jamie is trailing behind them. And she's kind of just looking at Angela and Jill like she doesn't know where to be. Like she looks like she doesn't know. She looks weary of both of them. Jamie does. She looks weary of both of them. She looks leery of both of them. And then she also looks like suspicious and like she doesn't know where to put her body because she knows that she's not one of them chasing Monica, but she also knows she's not Angela in jail. It's a very strange moment for Jamie. She was staring to at the lockers with the Swartz killer spray painted on it. And I didn't see. I didn't know that they had put that up yet. Yeah. I thought no, the killer thing came much later. That came when Monica left no, school. I don't know. I the scene where Jamie is chasing after them and then they stop. There's a spray painted thing that's his killer. So I thought she was looking at that and then also looking at back at Stacy. All of them with that look you're saying of like being when they were yeah. chasing. That's what, how I saw it. Oh, okay, because I didn't see the killer till almost the end. Because I noticed I'm like, what are these? This is what are these weird California outdoor locker like outdoor like? Remember they were in small rows of three. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I think she was staring at that, and then she felt like I'm not one of them. Like I'm not gonna like. I didn't I, know that was there yet. Okay. I just felt like she was there. It's like the literal witch hunt. Sure, They're chasing her well, through the yeah, school. Yeah, Allie says that she goes, oh, they or like um. What's her name? Uh, what's her best friend's name? Jill. Jill, Jill says that. She's like, it's like Salem in here. Yeah. Um, so then Darren comes into the attendance office the next day. Darren's this cute boy. We don't know Darren yet. He's a super cute jock. Way, way like cuter than the guy that Stacy was totally dating. Totally Who looked like a bald eagle a little bit. <laughs> so he's like, <laughs> he's like, I need to talk. She's like, oh, you're late. Yeah. I'm sure you have a good excuse too. And he's like, I actually came in to invite you to a party on Friday. So now she's like hanging with a boy who's got a Letterman jacket. And look at how fucking Stacy's dressed in that scene. What is she wearing? Blue. How is her hair done? Angela? Sorry. Yeah, Angela. Oh, or did I mean Stacy? Or did I mean Angela? I don't know. She's not wearing blue, but she has pearls now and she has a, a bob. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a blue thing. Like, like Stacy. Maybe overalls. Yeah. 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 It's, it's tight. It's form fitting. It's not her usual frumpy or she's very frumpy usually. Where did she get money over the summer? Where I did have she, to wonder. Oh my goodness. Well, no, seriously, where did she get money over the summer? Well, maybe she just made it babysitting, washing cars in her sweatshirt. It's a lot of money for those rich girl clothes. So Angela is now in a peer counseling session, and things must have sped up because now she's wearing his Letterman jacket. She's, her hair's different. She's wearing a Letterman jacket. She has more of a cropped cut to the shoulder. Um, it's a very subtle makeover, but it, it it's there. And she has pearls on. She has a, a, a red turtleneck with pearls, and then she has on the blue Letterman jacket from her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And her hair's a little bit more bobbed She's out. She's not a virgin anymore is what we can gather. Like, how long did this... Because they say, again, we're still in we this, blank. like, short zone of time yeah. that all this has happened. So, um, the girl I wrote... This is the girl with the printed thermal leggings underneath her jean shorts. Mm-hmm. Now, the girl that she's talking to, Alicia, is like... 
I mean, I guess I would say she's pretty gender neutral. Like in her presentation, she's wearing a tank top over a t-shirt with a baseball cap on that's backwards. And she's wearing these baby blue printed thermal leggings, Doc Martens, and long jean shorts over them. Um, which was like a variety. That's a mixture of styles from the time. Um, but she, but she's like, you know, she's not a girly girl and she's not wearing makeup and she's very pissed. She does not want to be there. But from everything we know, this is what's coming between her and expulsion or suspension, right? So, um, Angela's peer counseling her and she's basically saying like, you know, sometimes people who use drugs are dealing with some kind of problem. And Alicia says, you know what the problem is? You're the problem. You and everyone else. Here you are pretending you care and you want to help me, but you and your friends only do jobs like this because it's just another notch in your gun belt. Um, Angela, we then go to her and her candy striper job. This scene is fucking haunting. It's the best scene ever. I've personally experienced. Oh, okay, we can talk about Yeah, we need to dip into this for a second. So Angela, like and the other nurse at the desk, Angela's there in her candy striper uniform. Of course, it's like the classic candy striper. And an old woman is, um, the nurse is, the nurse is at the desk and she's like, you're just our best candy striper. And she goes, Oh, Mrs. Something, something's up down the hall. You want to go check on her? So Angela like walks into the woman's room and she's like, hi. And the old woman's kind of like coming awake and she looks at Angela and she goes, you, you get away from me. Get away from me. I know what you are. Help, help, help. And it's like very clear. That this woman sees an evil presence over she's Angela. A, she sees, she's an intuit. She's a psychic. She, it, it reminded me of exactly the time when I was volunteering with this elderly woman. And I was, my, she was my favorite lady to volunteer with. And one day she like grabbed my, she would tell me all these stories about like all these amazing stories. She's like from a different era in LA. And I would just listen to all her stories and love every second of it. And one day she was like... You know, my whole life, I've been, there's been two odd things that have always happened to me. Number one, birds have just always come out of the sky and perch themselves on me. She's like, I asked my therapist about it. And he said that it really meant that I provide a, I have a, a safe, nurturing spirit. A nurturing yeah. spirit. She's like, the second thing is homosexuals just are attracted to me. <laughs> And they just love talking to me. I yeah. think because I, and so it was, you weren't that, out yet. I was not out. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. That was, I, so I was like, Angela, yeah. she sees your murder. She sees your yeah. murder. That old lady can see it and she's calling you out. She's probably psychic. She probably sees your shit. That's probably Stacy right but behind you. How do you know you. that old lady wasn't gay panicking? Also gay panic, gay panic and psychic. <laughs> you were gay panicking a I little was, bit. She was. Well, the lady was gay panicking. Did she die before dawn that morning? Did she, yeah. I, I, did that woman mysteriously pass away overnight? <laughs> Definitely. I know that was part of that's how I made it look. Yeah. Yeah, in a mysterious accident. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, terrible. I know, but that's what happens, right? When you gay panic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She was gay I mean, panicking. You get a knife. You get like a knife stab several totally. times on a board, on a fucking walkway. And right, right, right. I was thinking more like you put Drano in her oatmeal or something. Oh, but like Heather Chandler. Like I did that to Heather Chandler. I gave her Drano and I was like, I dared her to drink it. And I was like, you don't have the balls to drink this. And then she did. And then she fell through a glass. The old lady fell through a glass table while screaming corn nuts. And then she died and it was terrible. And then I like pretended to cry at her funeral. So then Angela... <laughs> Now is confirmation day at church. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a real stark contrast from being called an evil person with a bad soul by a a woman that everyone thinks is old lady see shit is all I want to say. They saw she saw something. No, I know, she and of saw- course, but they pass it off as like, oh, this old dementia having yeah, bitch. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she has yeah. De- oh, quote unquote dementia. Maybe or was they it- see it better than anyone, baby. Yeah, maybe it was fucking Stacy's spirit behind her being like, hey, the bitch killed me. Yeah, this bitch in the candy shop from killed me. Maybe dementia is like from derived from like dimension like the dimension you want to be right, in other dimensions you want to be in yeah. that dimension i do feel like i'm striding i'm striding quickly towards dementia i hope i don't think i hope not i'd be fine i, I think okay. either way i just love to i'd love to get free like that you know um what was and that's what dementia is right um uh, but listen so oh. there are comfort my grandmother had dementia i can say that everyone calm down um so and i'm irish i'm a big tumor if i joke about <laughs> i've had eating disorders we all know this here by the way i want to say something just off topic but on topic because of you guys a lot of people wrote to me about kate's secret today saying that they liked that the way that my guest and i spoke about eating disorders and that they related to it and they were glad we were honest and had a sense of humor about it and that's i just great. want to say because we've done that consistently on this show, but I heard some nice feedback today. And I just want to say, if you were one of those people, I thank you. I see you. And if you weren't, I also understand you. And I understand why that might not be your lean back or, you know, might not be your reflex. But I'm thank you to everyone who understands that we're just here trying to do the, the Lord's work. So speaking of <laughs> Jesus, it's confirmation day at Angela's church. Um, and the kids are like, they're promising to reject Satan, all of his work and empty promises. They're going to take that good Lord in and snort his ashes up. Then Angela goes to confession and she confesses to the murder to the priest. We don't see this on camera, right. but we can take from this that that's what she's doing in there, which like, who knew? I had questions about that. I, I mean, had some questions. You know, I I imagine that a lot of shit has been taken in and out of the confessional box, especially in places where there's like gang, a lot of gang activity, maybe some more like, you know, right. sort of like um like Tony Soprano shit, where yeah. it's like you're going in there and you're copping to a lot of shit. I know priests are not necessarily legally obligated to report. I think from what I understand, something like confession is not considered like you're legally obligated to report that. Yeah, I see. I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I also think that there's also no obligation not barring them from also. No, there's not. I think it's a, it's, I think it's an as is basis, but I think that under some sort of religious law, you are protected that if you tell a religious official, you're protected. Oh, because they're supposed to, what they're supposed to do is encourage you to come to forward. go forward. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Right. 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 Yep. Totally. Um, but I will say this. I will say this as a Catholic. I know this was made during a different time. I'm not a practicing Catholic. I was raised Catholic. I still believe in a lot of like the goodness of Christianity. My whole thing is I thought that this priest was uh, a time, uh, a callback to you very rarely see any like sort of Catholic religious official, um, depicted in positively in any way. And I thought, because, you know, the, the church scandal and everything else has really spoken for the public perception of it, which is not to say I, I defend the organization or anything like that. But what I will say is that it was interesting to see a Catholic priest be as kind and judicious and considerate as this guy was. He yeah, was I thought very that was great. Fair. He was very nice, very fair, very... Um... You would never see, I don't think you would ever see a Catholic um, a Catholic priest depicted this way on television now. Yeah, in today's climate, I don't think you would see that, no. No, and it's like, it, and I understand why. 
I understand that there's a little bit of a responsibility to it to acknowledge what what goes on a lot of times in the church. Yeah. But this I thought was very lovely and like. I was glad, I was glad to see this, this Sunday. We're recording this on a Sunday. I was happy this Sunday to see a positive depiction of a Catholic priest. Right. Um, now what we'll find, you know, fast forward. I understand why things change, but not everyone is like that. So, um, in gym class, some of the girls are talking. Um, one of their dads heard the FBI is going to start questioning people again because they heard that, um, because the because of the larks or whatever. Um, everyone says like they know it was Monica. That's why she dropped out. Apparently Monica has dropped out. Yeah. She had a lot of nerve showing her face every day. So Jamie is now standing next to Monica's locker. And this is where I first see like the killer locker. This is where I first registered it. And she goes, you know, Monica had an alibi. She says this to Angela. Right. It's yes. terrible. She felt she had to leave school. She allowed her bad behavior to, I, and, but I allowed her the bad behavior of Stacy to go on. You know, I, at like end of the day, I don't even really like Stacy. I never really did. I feel bad saying it. Um, I've been thinking about it and maybe my, maybe her killer was someone more like me than not. Yeah. So at this point, I wonder, I'm like, Jamie, what do you know? Cause Jamie was like very slow to sort of have any sort of like energy with Angela after Stacy died. Jamie and Angela never really spoke. So Angela meets with the FBI. Totally appropriate to send a 15-year-old girl uh, in. Mr. Philip Banks. Right. I was like, oh, Philip Banks is here? Okay. And He's going to take care of business. Like. Additionally, he well, so he plays good cop. Yeah. And there, this is some classic good cop, bad cop shit. Yeah. Because the local the local guy's like, listen, Angela, yeah. we think you're full of shit. Okay? <laughs> yeah, and then your totally. story doesn't hold up. Also, no parent in sight. No. And then the FBI agent comes in and he goes, now, now. Yeah, yeah. Let's give Angela a chance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oof, good cop, bad cop. Don't you ever forget it, Molly. Yeah. If you're ever in a moment... Where you think a cop is your friend. Yep. That's the good cop. That's okay. The good cop. He's the one who's here to bust your ass. The bad cop right. is here to make you feel like you need a friend. Right. Okay. Fuck these people. So let's play, um, Angela, you know, spilling the beans to Philip Banks. Um, 10307 to 10603. What if it was George Banks though, Steve Martin? Angela? You're right about the babysitting. I just, I lied about that because I wanted the car. What did you want the car for? Um, there was this movie playing in um, in Sierra Linda, and it was it was R, and I can only see PGs. <laughs> Do you remember the name of it? It was Reckless, but I didn't get to see it because they asked for my ID. <laughs> well, that clears up the problem with the polygraph. But you know, Angela, you could still help us out. How? You could tell us more about Stacy. What kind of girl she was. She was very popular. Did you like her? Everybody liked her. I think you're mistaken, Angela. Monica Whitley didn't like her. Oh, but Monica didn't... She would never... But someone did. Someone disliked her enough to kill her. In fact, the Bureau has worked up what we call a profile, which is a... um, description of what we think the girl must be like. Would you care to hear it? Sure, I guess. Let me see. Ooh, a lot of words here. You know how psychiatrists are, huh? I remember a passage near the end where they finally get down to it. Ah, yeah, here it is, here it is. 
She is the same age as her victim and a member of the same peer group, though her involvement in that group is peripheral rather than central. She's impulsive, emotional, and driven both by fear of inadequacy and a desire for acceptance. While her crime was abrupt, irrational, and disorganized, she is unlikely to exhibit strong emotions when questioned about her possible involvement. Interesting, isn't it, Angela? What do you think about it? I think it sounds a lot like me. That's what we thought, too. In fact, we've been doing a lot of thinking about it. Look, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go home, think about it over the weekend, and maybe we can talk some more later. Can go now. Of course you can. It's her. Of course it is. But all the evidence we have is circumstantial, unless she confesses. I almost feel sorry for her. Don't. Feel sorry for the girl she killed. This movie for me became about those contact lenses and that scene. <laughs> I love it. I don't know why. I was just so... I think contact lenses used to... You would never be able to spot a contact lens on an actor's eye like that now. Yeah. I think they used to just be thick as fuck and just be like round-ass discs, slightly bigger than the pupil. I mean, that thing was... That contact was screaming at me the whole time I watched this scene. You would start a Tumblr, Kelly Martin's contacts. Honestly. That's like your Tumblr. I mean, maybe it's just like contacts in film. Like, and that would just have to be me going back looking. But it was, it was either something between the way this was shot, the quality of the film, the way it was like, whatever. Yeah. But that contact was screaming at me the whole time. Yeah. There's something very like, she emits a lot through her contacts too. Yeah. I mean, no. Kelly Martin brings a heavy energy. Where is she at now? I saw a photo of her the other day. She looks good. Right. Um, she, I don't know what she's done recently, but. She does remind me of, speaking of Father of the Bride, like kind of like a Kimberly. Kimberly Williams. Yeah, Williams yeah. Paisley. Yeah. She's married to Brad, Brad Paisley. Paisley and it. I mean, so she did hot. well for herself. Totally did well. But um, she reminds me of that a little bit where it's like she has this all American girl thing mm-hmm. to her that's just irresistible. I mean, she's irresistible, but, um, she also, for you guys at home who don't know who Kelly Martin is, she was back on Life Goes On. She was also on ER for a long period mm-hmm. of time. Um, she's doing TV movies now that are Haley Dean mysteries, which I assume is like a, no- a series of novels that is, that is some big time shit people really enjoy. Um, a Hallmark movie. So she's heavy into Hallmark movies now, which not my favorite. But we do have a on our Patreon right now. We actually are running a 12 months of Christmas podcast. It's all about Hallmark Christmas movies for you guys at home who do like Hallmark. Moving on. Jody Sweeten doesn't do the me or does Hallmark too. So I don't really like to talk about it too much. She hasn't given me one lifetime. I do. I love me a good Hallmark. Oh, that's you. Well, yeah. I mean, if you need to stay politically neutral, that's fine. But Lifetime's where it's at. This Lifetime is, is where it's at. This yeah. is where they make movies. Okay. Hallmark, yeah. good for them. Not my movie. It's just, it's, it's, it's move. It's the same thing, but with a, with a goody two shoes fucking neutered edge. And a Lifetime gives me that good shit. You know, Lifetime, we can count on them. We can also count on the top, the stopwatch again. So 
this is where we're going to see some real acting. Yeah. Um, so she decides to, um, her dad's at home fixing a gasket from the car. Now, can we also talk about the fact that her parents are significantly older? It seems like than most of the people in the community mm-hmm. that she is one of six. Now that mm-hmm. I know that we never really hear that anywhere mm-hmm. else. Um, so her mom and her dad are talking. Um, and she, her mom's basically saying, I haven't seen Angela. I'm worried. And as they start to have this conversation, we pan out slowly to see another junker in the driveway. And, as she talks, we realize Angela's in the backseat of that car, sort of overhearing all of this and taking it in. But her mom's saying, you know, she thought when volunteering and boys started started come into play, she'd be a happier person. Her dad says maybe she's ashamed. The other kids have so much. She never brings anyone home. That really broke my heart. And then even more what broke my heart was his mo- um, her mom's response to it, which was, no, no, they have everything they need. And he says, well, maybe the party will bring her out. I liked this for so many reasons. Maybe the party will bring her out is the sweetest way I've ever heard someone say, you know, maybe she needs something special to cheer her up. Yeah. It was just something, something so simple about an intimate family Christmas party, maybe potentially unburdening this teenager who's murdered someone that they don't know. Like, that's how simple those times were back then, guys. If you don't remember, times were simple. Yet a family party could change your life, like when you were a teenager back then. Well, also, like, they cared enough about her to be, like, tapped into her, like, the clear the angst that she was going through. But also, like, not enough. Like, her dad thinks that maybe a family Christmas party is going to change teenage angst, which shows that they are from a different time. Well, I also think, too, that, like, when her mom said that, like, oh, I was hoping with, like, all the activities she was doing plus the boyfriend, I was like, okay, like, because... I don't know, well, for me personally, like, I don't know if I would have, like, shared all that as a teenager, just in a different way. You know what I mean? Like, they probably just, she, they probably don't know the, they probably don't know she fucked the guy with the Letterman jacket. They probably are just aware she went on a date. But, like, the, I guess my point is, is that, like, they, by the time, a lot of times, especially when you get to your sixth child, you know, like, you're the youngest of three kids. That's what I was saying earlier. It's like, you're whittled down a little bit, you're kind of checked out, but it's nice. But this uh, is the opposite of that, where it's like, they kind of just, like, almost seem to can't even really imagine what's, what's potentially right. bad for this young girl. Like, right. what her social life is really like. Yeah. You know? Well, like, any, yeah, it's, it's, I think that exists a lot, too. Yeah. And this is also, like, pre- like 2020 wasn't covering this shit when we were growing up. 2020 covered totally different stuff. Now every week it's a new episode about like, these are the dangers teens are facing. Yeah. Um, and it's much more real than someone might smoke marijuana. Um, so Angela tops the tree with a little, uh, angel and her dad grabs her, pulls her off the stool and she's surprised by it. And he goes, you're the real angel, Angela. And the family has a prayer in the living room. The mom delivers a nice prayer. Now, I didn't realize that these are all supposed to be her older siblings. I knew about Terry. Mm-hmm. But I was like, who the fuck are these other brunette adults that are, like, <laughs> randomly around? Like, some of them had kids. Yeah. I thought, like, it could be anything. So, Terry picks up a baseball hat full of papers. She says, it's time to draw names for gifts. She's doing some good bits around the gift giving. She goes, I think we should get everyone something nice this year. And just to be safe, we should say a prayer. Lord, sh-. she, like, shushes the children in the yeah. room. Please bless us and keep us from cheapskates. Amen. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh. <laughs> so um, they employ this weird point of view sort of thing that they only, like, they only do this once in a while. But they employ this gimmick where we're now seeing the party through shots of a camera. Mm-hmm, it's a POV yeah. of the cameraman who's some unknown uncle or something. 
Um, we see Angela and her mom and her sister under the tree, sort of a shitty candid shot. Then we see Terry holding up a bowl of vegetables and being like, vegetables. And then, um, we see kids opening up gifts. Then we see one picture of Angela just looking lost in thought and like very burdened by the Christmas totally. tree. Um, so everyone leave. If she hadn't murdered someone, that would have been a very dreamy romantic shot someday, mm-hmm, but yeah. she's thinking about murder. So, um, after the party, Angela's just really sitting with this energy and her mom's like, how nice. I'm going to go clean up. Um, so she sits down with her dad and she goes, daddy, I have something to tell you. And I was like, him, I was like, you don't even talk to this man. Um, and he's like, what's the matter? She goes, nothing. Just that I love you. She gets up, she goes to her room, she chickened out. So then she's helping her mom clean up the kitchen and her mom's like, she's like, can we talk? And her mom's like, can I just get ready for bed first? Um, and she's like, of course. Then we cut to a shot of legs being put into a bed and a blanket being put over them. And it's Angela's mom being put to bed by her dad. And I just wrote, what the fuck happened? And like, I know how that laid out, but I was literally picturing her mom slapping on a robe and coming into the kitchen being like, what's up? Yeah. I did not picture that part of her mom's going to bed routine had anything to do with laying down in her full outfit. <laughs> for, I thought she died. So, um, <clears throat> I think that was also one of the real life moments in this is how they executed it. Was that she fell asleep so and she, she fell couldn't tell her. And she couldn't tell her. So then <laughs> so it comes out the letter. No, I like, like literally I'm like, why am I looking at some dead ass legs? Cause like the way he heaves her legs up onto the bed and then covers her with the blanket. I was like, that's and how I you bet cover you in this fucking family. Like, you know, she probably did every single thing for that party. Oh, she probably just did every, like she probably set the tree. She did all the cooking, she did all the dishes. Totally. Like they were all, and then she's like, Oh, I got to get cleaned up. I love that Angela knew to go and help her mom clean up at the end of the night. Yeah. I'm glad that there was no reality in right. which Angela was told, yeah, you can go hang out in your room. Yeah. No, you fucking get your ass down here and clean like your six brothers and sisters did before you. So, um, her mom goes, Oh, I felt, you know, I felt, Oh, Angela's actually, this is weird. Angela is sitting awake in her room. She's kneading her hands together. The way that they have Kelly, we like kneading, just like she is wringing her hands in a way I've never seen someone. It's like, I don't even know how you would describe it. The kneading of her hands that happened on camera. So she gets up and she writes a note. So the next morning, her mom's getting dinner ready or getting breakfast ready. Um, she goes, I fell asleep last night. Can we talk now? And she's like, it's, uh, oh, I'm, I'm running late. I have a ride with Melanie, but I wrote you a note. Um, she brings her the note and <clears throat> her mom screams behind her, wait, just some juice. And I realize yeah. her mom's holding, um, a stack of French toast, eggs, bacon. And I'm like, oh, so they're not poor. Because she made she, a full, she made like she a, made it was like a Denny's breakfast. It was, an, yeah. it was, that was a fucking diner ass breakfast. Like, what the hell? like, but that's how, you know what? This is what I will say. If you are, if you are underprivileged, you often, if your mom was active and your parents really tried hard and you were just falling behind the eight ball a little bit, your parents fed you well. It's always the very rich kids that have no one tending to them and the kids that are like, just their parents are like not, they're neglectful that are not eating right. But like the fact that Angela was eating right at home, that also is never lost on they they use they use that as an indicator in a lifetime movie to show the caringness of parents. Yeah. Um her mom takes the note into the living room and she puts it at the desk. But first she, you know, she picks up her Bible, she sets her egg timer, she's ready to do her daily prayers. Angela gets to school, and a moment later we go back to her house, we hear the egg timer, mom has just finished up her prayers. The actress says, Okay, so this is Valerie Harper's performance. 
I want you guys to imagine just the filmmaking of this. This is an actress who has not had a scene by herself. She is now Valerie Harper. She has a minute and a half to read a note with that her daughter wrote confessing murder. And she has to play out over a voiceover that's only split up by one cutaway. She has to play out the entire reading, processing, understanding, etc. of this suicide note. And I think that she... I mean, you guys got to go on the Instagram and tell me, is this the best or worst acting ever? Dear Mom and Dad, I've been trying to tell you this, but I love you so much and it's so hard I'm taking the easy way out. I just can't be near you when you see this because I've already caused so much pain. The reason why it took so long on Friday is because the FBI man, Mr. Gilwood, thinks I did it. And he is right. I can't bring her back. But I'm so sorry. I would kill myself, except maybe that would hurt you even more. I've been able to live with it for a while, but I can't ignore it. It's too much for me, and I can't be that deceiving. I've spoken to a priest, but I still can't take it. I need to turn myself in with you if you would come today. Please forgive me. I need you. I'm so sorry to have been a disappointment to you in every way. I am even worse than words can describe, and I hate myself. I need your love, please. Still love me. I can't live unless you love me. I've ruined my life and yours, and I don't know what to do. I'm so ashamed and scared. I love you, Angela. Joe! Joseph! That for me was that Joe the bomb and Joseph acting. Was great. That was great. Like she, uh, when I almost every reaction she was having, like if I was picturing myself reading that letter, if like a family member had they killed someone, they did the timing so well too. With when she flipped the page, like you know that that's when they recorded. Because you're like, let me. Go, they what played the- it back for. Her. They definitely recorded that before and then played it back for her when she was acting out the scene. Because the way that she played off of each line was so good. Yeah. Um. But I also am so into this that I don't know if. That, that was really good, right? It, I thought it was I'm very asking good. you as an outsider that's not brainwashed. Yeah, as an outsider that's not brainwashed, I thought it was a very it was very well acted because okay. it, it was to emote so much <laughs> with so little. Right. And also like just I think we all would have had that reaction. The, I always gauge it off of how would I react if I were reading this and what would my face look like? Right. And I think it would look just like that. And I'd be like, Ciao! Yeah. Because you would scream. You wouldn't be like, um, honey, can I talk to you? You'd be screaming like at the top of your lungs, like our fucking daughter killed someone. Get right. your fucking ass right. here now. Because the- sometimes with these scenes, we get like what I call like an emoji mash. Yeah. Like where it's just like the actor's face looks like someone just mashed the emoji keyboard. Yeah. Something I wanted to say about this, the way that she wrote this note, I really related to because this was whenever I had to come to my, this is how I would talk to my mom if I forgot to take the trash out and we had trash at the house over the weekend. Yeah. Like I would be like, mom, I called the town. I consulted with the priest. I offered to walk (laughs) it down to the middle school and bring it to that. But I was afraid I would get arrested for using a public dumpster. I am so sorry. Like, like I really related to her exhausting all of her options before she came to her parents. Like, I'd kill did. myself, but I don't want to cause you any more pain. I totally yeah, got that. Like, like that 
Because if and if anything, like if I was like, this is why her mom knows she did a good job with her and is sympathetic because she realizes that she's in over her head. Because in no other world would these parents ever understood or support her the way that she did. And it speaks to Bernadette's character because in an Irish Catholic or an Italian Catholic or any sort of Catholic family, I'm not saying that they're dying to distance themselves from you. But if like you're going to be the bad seed, you're the bad seed. Yeah. And like the way that we see this from Angela is that she, she's not the best. Like she's really not like she came to them and said, she made a bad, she had a bad lapse in judgment. A she bad fl- lapse in judgment. Just, she was young. She did something really incredibly impulsively like, terrible. but also I'm not even committing. I'm not even admitting this to you impulsively. I'm yeah. admitting to this to you because I've exhausted my options. I was basically told by the FBI with a wink and a nudge that I had a weekend to think about it. Like I'm coming to you and I'm going to be honest and voice this. And also, I want you to drive me into the police department so I can, like, commit myself, uh, uh, um, admit to this crime. Yeah. Like, that is, that, that takes a lot of guts for a teenager and also takes a lot of, like, a good family. You know, another family would have gotten a note like that from their kid and said, well, you know what? You've gotten away with it this far. We're going to protect you. And they did the right thing and they brought her in. Yeah. And, like, there's yeah. a lot to be said in terms of just, like, the way that this trial will then turn out that, like, you know, a lot of credit is owed to Bernadette's character or Angela in this movie and also her parents. And the way that they stood by her, I think, is awesome. Yeah, it was the 80s. She could have snuck her ass out to Canada. She was a good kid. Yeah. Basically. And she tried her best. And so to for to both God, the law, and her moral ability to live with herself. So um her mom comes and finds her outside of the school. She hugs her. She says, I don't hate you. Um, then we go to the gym. Um, they notice Angela's, where's Del Vecchio? We're looking for Del Vecchio. A girl says, um, I don't know where she is, but you know, they arrested someone. They arrested a lark. And Jamie, we cut to Jamie and Jamie's level. I noted her, the level of popularity that she was at because now she had like a gym braid. Her braid was brought in. The ribbon on her braid matched her gym uniform so perfectly. And I was like, did this bitch trade braids for gym? Because I think she did. She had a perfect like school color braid that was tied on that matched her gym uniform. That was just her gym. I was like, damn, Jamie's like really, she's really rich, really popular and very refined. Yeah. She's a refined young woman. So um, someone else comes in, another girl comes in, and they whisper um, to the girl who is causing all the commotion. She goes, it was Angela who got arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, and this other girl's like, I knew it was her. Didn't yeah, I always say girl. it was Del Vecchio? She was so weird. And then Jill, out of nowhere, I didn't even know Jill was in the room, turns around and she's like, liars. You're all liars. She's better than all of you. Um, and true. she like runs off and like, she's crying and it's just like, this is where, this is the moment where I said my instinct is to say she's in love with her, but I feel like her friend is actually just a really good friend to her. Yeah. Um, so in church, father, whatever is doing his, um, he's doing is a sermon that's kind of like, it's directed towards it in favor of Angela, basically. It is. Yeah. Um, and it says, this is a shocking time of grace, which I've never heard that expression. I'm not really sure what that means. Shocking time of grace. Um, but he says, it's time to look back on your values, your goals. He says, maybe the parents in this community can really look at how we're always trying to say to these kids, be better, be best, get the nicest of nice. Um, and says like, maybe you should look at some of the expectations you're putting on these kids and like, what's realistic for them and what's right. 
So um, Jamie then goes to confession and she's sobbing. And I would normally play this scene because it's a great crying scene, but just it was, she's Jamie, so it was very pretty. And she yeah. looked pretty. Um, and she says, you know, I was Angela's best friend and I left her alone at the ski lodge because I couldn't stand up to Stacy. And the father tells her that um, she has to forgive herself and find the courage to still be a friend to her. I just wrote, I like this guy because that is really evolved advice. You know, yeah, that's like what the Jesuits we were promised in college really kind of offered us, which is they would say, like, you should like you should say, you know, X amount of Hail Marys and, you know, mind your business, like to then to go ahead and say you should actually go ahead and try and befriend this person. This that's like the person. Jesuits that I dealt with in my high school. They were yeah. like that guy and they'd be like tell you to do the right you were like great like i'll do the right thing like it like that was the right thing to tell her to do yeah because she needed that friend because it was a step above it wasn't just you know like you know look out for yourself look out for it was was, really it was how can you be of service yeah so angela comes into court she's cuffed and in sweats which which is heartbreaking i literally thought the same thing because i was like they didn't even let her get pretty for her murder trial they just she was like 16 or something they're like it's a 16 year old girl cuffed and cuffed is rough but also don't they always usually i mean even casey anthony got to put on a blouse and some makeup yeah no this was her public hanging so um her family and Jamie are there. The lawyer gives his closing remarks about how um, she drove to the church and also. Can I'm I, sorry, I skipped. Can I also say that the prosecutor is the asshole husband from I'm Joy sorry. Lock Club? I meant to. I meant to play this clip. So let's go to 1836 to 1955 because the second that this guy, this this actor from Joy Luck Club, walks in, he's the bad husband from Joy Luck Club. He gives. The million dollar, um, he gives the best reaction I've ever seen in a Lifetime movie, but also makes quite an entrance. Yeah. Let's play this. Sorry. He um, was the one who made his wife live in that terrible house. <laughs> right. It was so So Jamie's in her all blue house. It's that pretty blue. Bet you do. A nice stack of VHSs next to the TV because they're rich. Yeah. And whatever that flower is behind her. (laughs) That blue flower. Oh, the hydrangea? (laughs) Yeah. Matches her blue eyes. So we're at court now. Um, Right when Jill walks in, she sees Jamie and... Jill is not happy to see. Jill's she, like, bitch, Jill get out of my way. You're part of the problem. She You're part her. of this problem. There's a rumor that the defense has offered the DA's office a plea of second degree and it was rejected. Can you confirm or deny? An offer was made and rejected. Could you tell us why? Because I'm an asshole. He's a terrible actor. He's such a dick. Is the punishment the same, whether the verdict is first degree or second degree murder? Juvenile code dictates that the punishment for either crime is confinement to the juvenile authority. I actually think he's a really good actor because he plays a dick very well. Maybe I'm just hung up on his reaction in later in later on. It was almost sort of a oh really like sort of attitude he had pulling up to her where I was just like he's that's so a, smug. That's a little smug to talk to be talking to a news reporter. Yeah, you're so like, fucking smug. Calm down. But he be he does smug. I'll tell you. Yeah, he was very smug. So this is where we really learned. This is a this is a case that is 100 about proving a point. This is about what is first, what is secondary murder. 
her conviction will come out the same no matter what. She will be released at age 25. Mm -hmm. This is all about proving a point and leaving a mark on her record. Which, let's just say, second-degree murder, I'm not more likely to answer a job application from a second-degree murderer than a first. 100%. It's not like she has some huge leg up in life. No, this is like second... I mean, it's like... It's a murder. It's murder. Murder is murder is murder. This is not great. This is... So the lawyer, um, the, the prosecutor gives his opening remarks about how she drove to church, um, told Stacy that she'd give her one more chance to be her friend or she'd kill her. Then she pursued her with the intent to kill her. It's premeditation, first, first degree murder in, in murder in the first degree. So then her defense speaks, and I'm going to play this clip, um, as well as the ruling, which comes at the end, um, I do want to say we're going to stop right at Joy Luck Club's husband. Um, we're going to stop right at the moment that he gives my favorite reaction I've ever seen from an actor receiving news in a Lifetime movie. There's a there's something that they hinged a lot of this on, and it's not played into this as much, but I want to talk. What is that? So, do you remember... Okay. You and know this I want to talk was, about it. This was, the par- this was part of the issue with second degree versus first degree. Okay. The Costa's family, a.k.a. the uh, Stacy... Stacy's family. Stacey's the family. Lock, the Lockhearts? The Lock... The lock uh, Lockman field. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. Lockhearts. So, Stacy's no. family... Lockmans. ...basically said that the reason that this murder was premeditated... Was not only the phone, the, the, you know, the, uh, phone booth thing where she hung out before she said sure. her name. The other thing that she said was, if you looked at the way Stacy was dressed, there was no way she'd be going to a party dressed like that. Oh. Isn't that kind of interesting? And yeah, I, cause they're just saying that she, she didn't look cute enough. There you go. Yeah. And also. She's a little too casual to die. Too casual. Right. For them. And like, because she wasn't all dull. And I, and the sad thing is I'm like, and, and I was trying to play this both ways. I'm like, was that part of Stacy's like, okay, was, I didn't think Stacy did look, I thought she looked fine. I don't think they, I don't think they played into that here. They didn't play into it, but it was something that was noted during the Here's trial. Here's the thing though, is that she did think, cause the, the real, the real Larks was called the Bobolinks mm-hmm. and they were called Bobbies. The Bobbies. Yeah. Right. So she thought she was on her way to a Bobby's dinner. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to dinner with my Bobbies, I'll look cute. I'll even dress up. Mm-hmm. But if I know I'm going to a party with an upperclassman, like I might dress cooler, but slightly more sexy. Mm-hmm. It depends. It depends. Like with your girls, you kind of dress down a little bit. Also with your girls, you really dress up. So the, the factor lies on whether or not it was a she thought she was going to a Bobby's thing or if she thought she was going to an upperclassman's party. But they party. were hinging that Angela slash Bernadette was lied. not, was lied, but they felt that Angela slash Bernadette was not dressed to go to a party. Oh, I thought you were sorry, saying they I felt might have sta- said, oh. I'm sorry, I messed that up. So basically they were, <laughs> I thought you were saying, okay, I thought you were saying they, they were like, well, Stacy usually gets prettier for sorry, a party. No, I misstated that. Okay. Um, well, here's the thing. See, I did, I did, this piqued my interest because I was also thinking about the fashion of the times when they were giving the description of the murderer. They said a brown sweater mm-hmm. and red sweatpants. And sweatpants, are we talking like Kim K, like wearing sweatpants as a look thing? Or are we talking, because this is 84, that happened. Do you remember? Yeah, people would wear like pink sweats. Stirrups. As like a, oh, as yeah. Like a thing. So I was like, oh, so I was trying to play this both ways in my head where I'm like, okay, was there a sweatpants outfit that... Angela would have worn to not tip off her mom that she wasn't really babysitting 
Or is this just another slam at Angela's Right. Fashion? Well, every generation has a sweatsuit, right? Yeah. There's the Adidas tracksuit. There's yeah. the Juicy Couture sweatsuit. They like, would wear like white boots there's always a pl- There's shit. always yeah. a place in time for a sweatsuit. Right. So like definitively, yes or no, who knows yeah. whether or not the sweatsuit was the issue. I will say that it, it pinged it for me. What I will also say, though, is that if I was on my way to go trick the most popular girl in school to going to a party with me, I would not have shown up looking like shit. And if I was showing up even to just confront her and be like, will you please be my friend? I still would not have shown up looking like shit. Right. So part of me feels like this is like subliminal, like more It's completely, shame. it's poor shaming. It's like, it's, it's, that's what it is. And that was a thing that they kept hinging on during the trial. They're like, Bernadette did not look like she was going to a party. There you go. Yeah. They're, they're poor they're shaming poor her. They're poor shaming her. And so, yeah. So that was, I just wanted to get that out there because I thought that was Okay. I thought you were saying like no, her parents must, were I'm, like, because that I would be Stacey. also, because Stacey's parents, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, our Stacey wouldn't go to a party like that right yeah no i dolled mis- up i misstated but i meant i meant angela but yeah. yeah oh interesting interesting right so that's very interesting um because yeah i mean they they it was the phone call and the dressing that they hinged on they present her about her dress like her dress is presented consistently in this movie not just in its own color category yeah they, they really went out of their way totally. you never saw anyone else in a mustard Browns, yellow or a oranges, brown you never fall. saw that she's all the leaves and and you also never heard of anyone else's like joggers or anything else being referred to as a sweatpant the way they did in the in the news description. And also the overt Catholicism of all, the cross. The other girls are in pearls. Sure. She's in a cross. Like it's all Totally. Okay, her defense speaks. Let's play this whole thing. This is her defense speaking and then through the through the um judge making his decision. The murder of Stacy Lockwood was a crime of passion. Unpremeditated, disorganized the spontaneous action of a confused and desperate child whose only intention was to invite Stacy to a party and ask her to be her friend. It is, as we will prove, a clear case of murder in the second degree. Look at her. She has got a lot of nerves. What do you think you're doing here? This trial is for Stacy's friends. This isn't a party, Meredith, and there aren't any invited guests. Jill has as much right to be here as you do. I thought she was going to tell everyone at school that I was really weird. I don't understand it. It was... It was like... So, the thing I made me... Oh, wait. Can we pause? Sorry. So, the DA... That's yeah. the DA, the prosecutor. Yeah. You know someone's daddy was a judge. And they said, you better get that little girl in fucking court... And oh, make sure. sure this is a public trial. But if the DA does it, that means that it's, it, the city is eating the cost. 100%. So this but- entire town, including... Her own parents paid for this oh, public Oh, and they hanging. want that. They yeah. they were probably happily paying for this because they want no, this I little mean, girl. I mean, even um, Angela's parents were paying. Bernadette's oh, yeah. parents were yeah. were paying for this with their taxes. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's it's. But this is where this is where I think that like I'm glad that it wouldn't have gotten this far in today's day and age, is because there's no way that the t- there's so much to deal with right. that's real. There's no reason why taxpayers should be like paying for what is essentially 
some sort of sick random version of like town entertainment and like public humiliation. Yeah. And basically just being this girl fucking, she admitted to murder. Yeah. She already admitted it. It it should have been second degree from the beginning. And this costs like a hundred thousand dollars for like some municipal town. Like this is a fucking lot of money. That is a lot of money that they sunk into um, defending Stacy's honor. Yeah. So like bangs crawler and too many pearls over here can fucking have their day. Yeah. You know. Okay, let's um let's keep going. By the way, love the denim and pearls at your friend's um murder trial. Yeah. It never would have happened. I guess I was really angry and I really don't know. She was just telling me to go away. And I did it. It was exactly like I was watching it. You know how how you see a dream and then you see yourself doing things and it was so much like a dream that I thought I would wake up how do you feel about her now I just keep I keep wishing that I could I could push time backwards I sort of apologized to her in my mind Like, I think she's in heaven now. Do you think it was partly her fault? I remember the mean things about her, but I... I could never think that it was her fault. I don't think there's any reason in the world that justifies killing someone. Will the press get my name? We don't release names in juvenile cases, Angela. But it's possible they could get it on their own. I don't see any reason for living if everyone... I mean, if people knew that... Could I use the restroom? I think I'm going to be sick. Why are they doing this to her? I don't know. She confessed. She admitted she was guilty. It's like what Mr. Durning was telling us about New England. The Puritans would put sinners in pillories so the townspeople could come by and spit on them. Yeah, well, I wonder if the Puritans got all dressed up for their spitting. No family wants to see the courts hold a yardstick up to their loss. But the evidence... Not the evidence presented by the defense, but by the prosecution. It's clear. There was no premeditation, no calculation, and there was no planning. And no possible verdict but murder in the second degree. Angela herself, she could not explain her irrational act. Don't ask why. She had said, I don't know why. She, like all of us, wants to understand. Wants to know why. Though the answer will forever elude us, I suggest that we look to ourselves, we look to our community in our quest to understand. The pressures are intense here. Nobody wants to be a hod carrier in Santa Mira. Oh, you're supposed to be beautiful and successful and popular. Perfect. 
Angela was none of these things. And her fear of failure eventually became <laughs> too much I was going to say to you, yeah, I wanted to stop that movie to ask you, would you rather be called ugly or guilty? That led her to kill in the first place. In this, in this trial, case, in this... Wait, like, can you pause that? I'm glad that both of you had that reaction. Yeah, it was horrible. Would you <laughs> rather like... be called ugly or guilty? I mean, would you rather take the hit of having it be publicly on the record that you were not pretty popular or interesting? <laughs> Uh, or would you rather t- would you rather not be as you're going to get you're going to be a murderer no matter what would you trade first degree murder to not be called ugly unpopular uh, uninteresting yeah, I'll take a first <laughs> give me a first honey I mean that is quite that brutal that echoed in my soul and every single time I want I'm glad that not I wasn't the only one who went straight to like are you calling me fat territory because I that would have been my I knew why he did it no I, I know I knew oh no he it had was so to. purposeful but as I was her like, lawyer Fuck. he had to he, he had to look at her and be like let's face it honey <laughs> you're He's not like, everyone in the room things. you see this little thing here she's, not, she, she's no Stacy she's, she's that second degree she, she made yeah. big mistakes trying to think she was in Stacy country okay <laughs> Let's look at this little idiot who thought she took a, a, a day pass to Stacy Country and thought she was a, a member now. And now just like look at the reality is that she's a big fucking loser, not that cute. And she could honestly, she could have done more and been more. Um, that was rough. It was rough. One of my favorite moments at BC, Chase had a roommate and uh, there oh, was, yeah. uh, the roommate's mom from New Jersey was there yeah. getting the mom moved in. And this very beautiful, popular girl this. walks by and she was like the talk of the campus. And the roommate's mother turns to her and goes, oh, honey, you're never going to be her. Just no. And she turns. <laughs> and she goes, oh, honey, you don't have a chance with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just thought that was, that was very this moment. Like. Expectation management. Yeah, it's That just, fucking lawyer expect- managed the fuck out of her expectations. Yeah. Like, as if this girl needed to be leveled enough. <laughs> I know, Thank God like, Bernadette moved on. I would change my name, too. Yeah. Well, that's why I feel bad. So the trolls are like, they're, they're trying to find, they keep Here's outing the thing. her. You can't, I know it's terrible yeah. and you can't, I, listen, I've tweeted about Amanda Knox before and all of a sudden there's millions of bots that come out of nowhere being like Meredith Kircher, like Amanda Knox did it. And I'm yeah, like, no one won the situation. You have no to be one on won. this bitch is not still yeah. like there's a man in jail for what, there's a man in prison for what happened. Yeah. You guys keep producing his sentence, but you have to go after Amanda Knox. Yeah. There's no, I get it. no one won in this thing. There's it, no one won. No one wins. Yeah. This is not a winning it's just situation. An extra little punishment thing but i did i'm glad that both of you guys picked up on how just needless well it wasn't needless it was 100 needed it was so strategic but horrifying oh my god i would have died like it sat with me i've been do you want a little bit more no no no. i was just like he was like right behind he's just like, always wax is um, we're using lab mics instead of regular mics right now you guys and wags is like this would seem like a better solution and i'm sure it is for sammy and post but wags is like fucking a fork to the the yeah. Mike Kors must like spaghetti. He's like, I just up in it. He's always in it. He's putting his ass on it. It's too much. Why? Because you get a big ass and you're too nosy. Sit down. Okay. I'm glad that we all agree that that was yeah, terrible. Yeah, that's brutal. Um, so we're going to keep playing this, but we all got, I mean, we heard the real point. Public airing of painfully private emotions. We have submitted her to the worst humiliation she could ever have imagined i don't say this to excuse her crime for a crime she did commit but to point out that the community can be as unforgiving and pitiless in public as it sometimes is in private 
For this is a trial that need never have happened. This is a clear case of murder in the second degree. And had the district attorney's office accepted that plea in the first place, we might, all of us, have avoided the pain of publicly reenacting this terrible tragedy. You've been subjected to a scene of enormous pathos here. The pathetic tableau of Angela, surrounded by her family as she listened to her own damning words. But what of the tears and grief of the Lockwood family? Tears they will shed and grief they will feel for the rest of their lives. And so I ask you, Your Honor, to consider the plight of the victim and not the victimizer, and to return a verdict that suits the crime, a verdict of murder in the first degree. Well, with the exception of the taped confession, this whole case is circumstantial. Considering the evidence presented here, I must conclude that the prosecution has failed to prove its contention of premeditation. The evidence supports nothing more than a finding of murder in the second degree. I must further observe that we have a kind of uh, Alice in Wonderland situation here. The juvenile code dictates a sentence of confinement to the age of 25. The degree whether first or second, is irrelevant. And so I find myself wondering what we have accomplished here. I hope it was justice, though I fear it may have been nothing more than entertainment. God. So, really quick, I just had a realization, because I was looking at Terry during this scene, her sister. She, that's Krista Miller. Did you know that? Kristen Miller? Krista Miller, who was Kate on the Drew Carey show. This oh, was like her only that. her okay. fourth role ever. Okay. But I've been watching this chick my whole life. She was Paula on Seinfeld. She, uh, Ellen, Paula. And then she also was, um, she was Blair on Kate and Allie, which was her first credit ever, but oddly enough is my first memory of her. And then she became Kate on the Drew Carey show. She was then on Clone High. She was a voice on Clone High of Cleopatra. She was on Scrubs um, for many, many years. 89 episodes of Scrubs, Cougar Town. She did 102 episodes of that, Undateable. I mean, let's just say this. Krista Milla, she works. Yeah. She works. This is, um, this is, she's had a lovely career and it all kind of started off really like she's been working, she's been working since 1985. That's great. She, she really, she's been working. Um, okay. So, or 1988 rather. So, um, She's she got her murder in the first degree. That's good, I guess. In the second. Second degree, sorry. That's good, I guess, right? Yep. Um, we're happy about that. I will say that this is where Lifetime does a little bit of the playing both sides of it because they showed her completely 
remorseless or if anything just like she has that sort of like kind of resting pouty face a little bit i thought she looked sh- like dazed I, like in she a looked daze. dazed or just like just which like, i used to think was real because i think you right. seem a little like in a daze. daze like it's like a bad dream where you're just sitting there and you're like what is what am i in that said well, you could also say that the same thing about casey anthony through a lot of her tri- trial and like people do look at that as as a sign of guilty so it's never I, it's, yeah it's never um it's always a direction when they tell you, in a, in a scene like this, when they tell an actress to sort of just stare forward, that's not a happy accident. That's a yeah. direction. So they're yeah. trying to give leverage to the fact that maybe there was a little bit more motivation here than, you know. But either way, she get, she's going to get out much later. We're not going to ever see that. But we do see... Um, the next scene clips that come up are the very same scene clips that we saw at the beginning of this movie. We literally yeah. see the same guy jogging, except it's in reverse. Um, and then we see a bunch of kids riding their bikes up and around by the church. Um, and it's a very, it feels good, feels yeah. safe, right? Um, then we see Jamie at the church writing a letter by mm-hmm. herself and she narrates it as she writes, Dear Angela, there's been some changes in my life that I want you to know about. I quit the Larks and next year I'm quitting Santa Mira too. Going back to St. Joe's where you and I had so many wonderful times. I'm going back, but I know I can't really go back the way that you can't go back or any of us can. We can only go forward and that's what we, that's what I hope to do. That's my hope for you as we both struggle to understand. Yours always, Jamie Hall. Then we see Angela's reading this alone in her cell. Um, and then a title card that comes up. This is the real Angela Del Vecchio served a sentence of seven years and was released on parole. So. Angela could have been your cellmate. She could have been your cellmate. But also, I was thinking, Juvie, not that bad. Like, they do, I mean. I don't want to say it, but I don't want to say it, but it was No, it's a a lot of board games and go to your room. It's, you know. That's like, it's go to your room. It's like, no, we're not going to hold your hand at the doctor. You murdered someone. But like, you're a kid. Especially 80s Juvie. You know, I'm going to guess it wasn't. Too, too bad. They probably drank condensed OJ and like, yeah. you know. Like, like I know, I uh, yeah. yeah. It yeah. was probably like, it was probably like, you're not at home, don't forget it. Yeah. But it could have been worse. Yeah. It's no, it's it's what no murderer deserves. Let's just say that. Yeah. But given that this was what it was, which honestly I think a number one thing here that I, I would give a note to this movie is that this should have been, this should have been also a heavy sentencing of counseling. Like a heavy, that should have been her, you know, where it was like, because that's someone who is literal the way that Angela was, which based on the fact that this, they were able to really hinge this on her being overly inspired by the be best, be better mentality of her high school principal. She's that easily influenced. Yeah, she's so impressionable. She probably is a danger to society if she's that easily influenced. I don't think she would ever do that again, but like the ramifications of being a very impressionable person run really deep and uh, will affect a person and everyone in their lives. You know, if someone's, you just don't want too many people like that out there. You got to talk them through it, especially if it's a team, they've taken something way too to heart. Totally. You know, um, who knows though? She probably had six brothers and sisters that beat the shit out of her growing up. She's the youngest of six. You know, you get roughed around a lot. You might just take things very literally. I don't know. She's literalist for sure. Um, so Ed, any other thoughts before we go on to our scale about this movie, this case, thoughts like that? Uh, no. You feel good? Yeah, I feel pretty good. I feel like we covered gay panic and 
Angeles fashions and, you know, um, gay panic. I think you, like you really cracked that open. Those yeah. are the two words we really needed for this to, to seal the deal on what this really was. And I'm again, I'm panicked by this. Sure. You know? Um, so my question for you and all of our guests yes, is what do you think is the finest made film of all time? The best from acting, script, direct, directing, everything. The most, most best film of all time overall. Ah. Uh, Just pull something out of your ass. Drop Dead Gorgeous. Okay, good. So Drop Dead Gorgeous is our one. I like to say... Let's also think of it, this is your, Lee Daniels Butler, I've never even seen it, but I always say Lee Daniels the Butler as a very upstanding Oscar winning movie. Mm-hmm. Just, I always say it because Lee Daniels name in front of it makes me laugh. Or, and is your drop dead gorgeous. It's okay. the one. Okay. And then our five is Mother May I Sleep With Danger, which is the most Tory spell. I mean, this is the closest to Mother May I Sleep With Danger we've ever had just by the sheer fact that it's Tory spelling high camp. Yeah. In a lot of ways. I mean, Tori Spelling's appearance makes it high camp. Yeah. And that's just what it is. <laughs> so great. It's like, even they, I was thinking about this. They even, like, in Scream, they did that great bit where that she was, Neve Campbell in the first one was like, oh, and it's going to be some shitty movie and they're going to get Tori Spelling to play me. <laughs> and then, like, in Scream 2, the whole yeah. thing was Tori Spelling played her. <laughs> that was because of this movie and yeah. movies like it. So <laughs> I just want to, I just want to throw that out there that, um, this that this movie was incredibly influential, but it also was peak. Really was, yeah. It also it it has it's on a sliding scale because it's peak bad TV movie, but it's also very it's TV movies aren't done this way anymore. They're just there's too many of them for them to be this high quality production. Like really, like the research, the the wardrobing, the costuming, some of the thought that went into even just like the color palette. That is a little bit high. That's a little bit higher. I think they're having a good comeback, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think some good. Sure, and yeah. and, and, and again, Lifetime probably makes a hundred movies a year, right? So they can't all be huge, big productions. And this also wasn't made by Lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This so is this a... is this is kind of makes up the. But this is this is I'm talking about movie of the week culture. So you, you're saying which is the worst, the best, the worst? This is so. You so were no, getting... no, no. I'm not asking you which is the best or the worst. No, no. no I'm you were going to go through say, a scale with you. Yeah, the scale. And on a scale of one to five, you're going to tell me, is it the most, is it the most of a real movie or is it the most lifetimey? Got it. Um, so on a scale of, um, Drop Dead Gorgeous mm-hmm. or Lee Daniels the Butler Got to it. Mother May Sleep with Danger, would you say the acting in this is closer to a one or a five? I would say it's like a 3.5 to a four. Really? A three, I would say like, because you had like Valerie Harper. Yet there was a lot of people bringing up the pack. You know, and then you had like, I mean, Kelly Martin, I thought, did a really, really awesome job with that. This comes down to the weakness of Tori Spelling, the other popular kids, the guys, and um, and and most of the random actors. Uh, Lifetime does usually bring up their average by bringing in really strong supporting players. And like they, the priest, like I thought he did a really great. good job. Like so, and I think because Tori really wasn't like she wasn't in this that much. So I thought even Stacy's parent. I mean, the principal was a little bit cartoony, but I thought even Stacy's parents were really good. Yeah, I thought um, Stacy's parents were did. great. I actually so, thought uh, Marley Shelton was amazing. Let's give it a three point five. Yep. Believability of the world and characters. Did you think this was real? Did you do you think these people could exist? Did you feel like this was a movie world or this could be the real? Oh, world? I thought this was like one hundred percent real. Yeah, I did too. Like just I completely saw. I'm this gonna give real. it a one. I think this was a very. Mm-hmm. This was probably the most cohesive world I've seen on Lifetime. 
Um, creative use of words to avoid censorship. We didn't get a lot of that, but what we did get in exchange, like someone being like, dang it, or something, yeah. or in a way that it's like, that's uncomfortable. Like, yeah. just don't say anything. The thing that they had in this was more like, sort of like, I, I, for some reason, crawl a hole and drag the dirt back over you was so visceral to me. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was very visceral. In and a odd way, I and... just thought that was like so. I was like, what you're trying to say that could be said in a more crass way, you're actually putting in a pretty poetic way that is so much meaner and right. like visual. Agreed. Um, and in a way, I kind of want to give this movie like a two just because of that, because there were, there was no moment where I was like, the character should have said shit. Like, why didn't they just like, have her say something closer to shit. Yeah, but, I completely agree with you. I, yeah. I literally thought the it's same. It's a two. Yeah. Just because there were some things that were so inventive. Dialogue. Um, I'll just go ahead and say, for me, weird mashup of kind of like old world, like sort of like older yeah. speaking. Yeah. And then also a little bit more like, come on, guys. Like, it was very... It felt trapped and it felt like it was made in 1982. It felt true to 1982. It felt, tr- for me, it felt true to that era of how they, how people. But remember, this was made for a 1994 audience. So even yeah. if they did speak like that back then, this is movie of the week. They're trying to get people who have their ass on the couch on a Saturday I... night feel like they're watching a hip sexy movie. Yeah. I, um, I don't, I it's where, don't know. It's where the dialogue takes a hit for me is that it felt a little antiquated, even for the time. It so felt antiquated, so I don't... I kind of want to give it, like, the dialogue... I'm not talking about the script. I'm talking about the actual dialogue yeah. itself, which is all about delivery as well. Yeah. I'm going to give it a three. Okay. It was pretty bad. Um, wardrobe. This was above average in every way for a Lifetime movie. Yeah. It's not movie perfect, but it was above average in almost every other way. Like, this was a three. Yeah. Right? I think so. Or maybe so. more. Maybe it was closer to a two. I think it, it was closer a to a two. It felt a little bit like Coen Brothers to me in a weird way. Yeah, I think it was a two. There, yeah, there were like a, a lot of stylistic choices that I thought were very like spot on. Yeah. For that era. Hair and makeup. This is like not great. The hair and makeup was very confusing for me and all over the map. Just like between some people seem to be really registered in the 90s. Like, Tori Spelling's hair was very, that was very, like, a good 90s haircut. Because it was showing the, the straight style, but with volume. And then we had some of the, the girl with the, with the lone roller. The one hot, a hot roller in a bang is much more intense than what Ramona does. Yeah. And her hair, they were, those two girls at the trial were like, they looked like they walked out of, like, 1982 and walked right into this movie. Yeah. Um, I think the hair and makeup is was pretty intense for this and they very intentional. The makeup was minimal. I don't know. It's like a middle Uh, of the road. Three. Yeah. Three. It wasn't like offensive music. Um, you didn't notice or not notice it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't distracting, but it wasn't, there was, there was no hits. Yeah. There was a lot of melodrama. They really honed in on the melodrama. So I would give it a two. This was the classic package, though. That this is TV music, TV movie yeah. music, which means it's a four. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's it was they. I think they used the same song in all of these movies. Yeah, that was just like. Is high. it the same? The dun. Is it all the same? I would have been so rich if I wrote that. That's all I was thinking. Was just like if I knew how to <sighs> yeah. score. God. Dude, I would be out here trying to get lifetime cues <sighs> like no one's business. Crying. I mean, well, let's just loop in with this, the death scene, which was incredible. This yeah. is a full five for me. Yeah. The crying was across the board terrible. 
Um, Jamie was just pretty when she cried. I wouldn't even say that that was a big deal, but I would say every other crying scene in this was that Tori Spelling emotional crying jag that I look for in a Lifetime movie. That bad, that bad in the moment drama. Yeah. It's a five. Um, victimization of the female character. I felt very little for Stacy. I had to really force myself and remember that an audience is listening to this to feel bad for Stacy. Um, which <laughs> normally I think about how all the females are sort of victims. I think this is a full five because even though I didn't feel, I still, I was looking for every, every woman in this movie to have some sort of personal emotional arc. And I was just left feeling so sad for all of them. Like, yeah. I just left this, I didn't leave this thinking like, you know what? They're going to be okay on the other side of this. Cause a lot of times that's the, like the thing with lifetime movies, you're like, wow, she really went through it, but she's going to be okay. I love this being like, oh, none of them are going to ever be okay. I, they're all, yeah. It felt like they've all been it just completely changed. Yeah. They will never be the same again. Cause the hook for lifetime, never forget is television for women, honey. Okay. They all, this is television for women and they, they know how to market to all of us. Okay. So failure or refusal to jump to logical conclusion. This is a lot of times we, the number one example of this would be, um, everyone watching Stacy die and no one running to the phone to hit 911. Yeah. Uh huh. Another failure to jump to the logical conclusion would be to not ask that guy why he drove off and didn't chase the teen girl. The right. only eyewitness they have drove away yeah, from Yeah, agreed. Uh, why did he lose her? Yeah. Right. And a lot of that can be blamed on, um, of course, you know, trying to write to a real life detail and not being able to follow mm-hmm. it up, which is what we'll that hit on in the, in the drops plot line saying we'll hit on that. But there was a couple things where it was like, I think, I think this is like a, a, a four. Let's just give it a four. And then drop plot lines. This is where you really run into this with movies that are based off a real life story. Like, mm-hmm. for example, why I had to watch Angela's mom's legs get brought up to the bed. <laughs> I love that you like fixate on no, that. No, I mean, cause I'm just like, yeah. why am I looking at legs? Like, why, <laughs> whose legs could these be? And then it slowly revealed yeah. Valerie Harper. And I was like, but she just said she'd be a minute. Yeah. And so that really confused me. And that felt like, I really just was like, what is up with that? Right. Also, what happened to Terry's car? Also, what, what the fuck was that school year about? Also, like, there was yeah. just a lot of stuff that it was like, what happened to Monica? Did Monica ever get... Monica is the biggest drop plot line <laughs> yeah, in this Monica. movie. It was that she... Monica quit school, which is... Monica moved away. That's life-changing. Yeah. To have to quit school. Like, that is... To be, a, to be a high school dropout because you were wrongfully accused of murder and then never have the movie about it be like, and don't worry, Monica found her own... <laughs> like, cut to Monica, like, dancing on the beaches of Hawaii. Yeah. For all we know, Monica's dead, too. <laughs> um... <laughs> I mean, for draw plot lines, this is pretty, it's a four for me. It's pretty, pretty yeah. bad. Yeah. And then I'll just go ahead. That death, the font is our last category. And that font was the most lifetimey fucking thing I have ever seen in my life. That is yeah. the definition of shit. We ran out of money and can't do like a titles package. Let's just go into final cut and see what we can slap on top of it. It was, it was total movie of the week credits, total five. I mean, which somehow I think will make this. Probably one of the most historically lifetimey movie, and one of the things that I love about this podcast is that there is no lifetime movie, honey. You think you heard of a lifetime movie? There is no, there. It's lifetime movies aren't a monolith, sweetie. Okay, so 
They aren't. They aren't. We've got yeah. Haley Duff. We've got Tori Spelling. We've got some random actress over here. We've got horror. We've got comedy. Got we've got Kristen Wiig. Yeah, we have a variety of movies yeah. where someone feels overweight. And then guess what? They have good stuff going on inside. There's plenty of different types of genres of Lifetime movies, and you can't lump them into any one thing. But I do love, honey. I did. I did think my biggest mistake was not sending you as an option, Nikki Blonsky and Nikki Blonsky and Queen's Eyes. Oh wow! I thought maybe that would be really fun for us. Yeah, that is a good one too. I do love. I do love any movie where an overweight character learns to love her body. That's I do, my yeah. favorite. I'm glad we did this because of the, the real true crime element. So it could be like, I love like, well, that, I knew you would nerd out. I knew you would nerd out. I and like so that. That's why I and like also, reading about it. And here's the thing. We could have done a variety of true crimes. Right. I sent you the Neverland one. I sent you a bunch of different true crimes, but you were smart. I did send you this one first. And I said, this is Tori. the most iconic and the obvious. It's got Tori in it. You're the only person I would I would break my Tory spelling virginity on this I really podcast appreciate that. about. I mean, because I knew you would do. I knew you would. Come. Did I do it right, honey? You came with all the facts. You know more. I about, tried. You, you. I knew you would. I knew at a certain point today when I was like really like. I have an update. Bernadette's moved in with me. Okay, um, I was gonna say. <laughs> her, that's not. See you. That's my friend Kristen. Right. She renamed herself Kristen. Right, 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 right. JK, it's actually Lisa. Okay. Oh my God. I was like, or did you know she really... my friend Lisa? That's actually really Bernadette. Did she rename herself Lisa? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I don't know what her new name is. Oh, okay. I, I plan on not. Okay. Well, you and, know... and just so everyone in America knows, if she winds up dead, it had nothing to do with Edward Hansen. And yeah. I'm sure everyone who doesn't listen to this podcast is going to find a way to point a finger to him. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, no, I really, yeah. No one thinks you did anything. Yeah. I'm not harboring. Don't surrender. I don't know what you feel. Don't feel guilty. Like, she's not living with me. You did a great job on this podcast. Thank you. I want to thank you. I will say, I felt a relief that I don't, I've never really felt with another guest before, which is that I knew I was like, he's going to, today when I was a little bit under the gun, I was just like, he's going to learn all the true crime stuff. He's going to learn that. Cause then you told me you, and I was like, I read, I read the wiki and I was like, you should really like, I, I was going to start redditing and doing that shit. And then I was like, you know what? Let Ed lay out the presentation. Cause I knew that's where you shine, baby. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I can't really talk, speak to the fashions in a way that as passionately as you can. But I was like, I can look at the true crime stuff. I was you know, like, you I can. Spoke, you spoke with passion. <laughs> and you knew your shit. And I will, I will find out the score from Sammy. And I have one final question for you before we wrap up. Besides your social media, which is linked in the description of the show. And you'll also shout that out. Um, Sammy, what's our score for this episode? 36.5. 36.5. Okay. Another season, a season or two ago, that would have taken it all. But now we're up, our, our high score this season is 55, I wow. believe. Yeah. Ronnie and I just started throwing shit at the wall one night and wow. it just, it, we racked up those numbers real quick. Wow. Um, okay. So 36.5, great movie. I loved it. Cathartic, wonderful process. Now, Ed, before I let you go, my, my question for you is that this movie, does what a lot of Lifetime movies employs, which is that it it um, markets it in different countries with a different name. Okay. So this movie is commonly known, I think, on the internet now as Death of a Cheerleader. Right. But it was called A Friend, Friend to, to Die, Die for, for when right. it was on television here. Which title do you think is better? Um, I think A Friend to Die For is actually... I think it's dishier. It's dishier and it plays in different ways. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of like because is because the friend to die for was actually the friend who died. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Well, so that's I love the, the play that's on my, that. I love the play on That's my problem it. with that is that it's like, well, the friend to die for was then would that that would be <laughs> yeah, Angela, right? But Angela's not to die for, yeah. but she is. But so I, I was having, I wondered if maybe that's why they renamed it or just because death of a cheerleader is so sensational. Yeah. It's so like, I, trust me, I'll, they have multiple movies with the word cheerleader in the title and I will click on any one of them to pass the time. And the reason I also say this, because one of my favorite, favorite HBO like TV movies mm-hmm. was the incredibly two adventures of the Texas cheerleading murdering mom. Yeah. With Holly Hunter. Yeah. And I was, and it was so good. And so anything with cheerleader in the title like i'm kind of like i don't want them to step on each other right i want them to exist in their own ways even though i do think death of a cheerleader is very good it's succinct i still like a friend to die for it's dishy in a weird way like i don't quite get it but i'm here for it okay i'll be the other side of that coin i'll I'll vote team death of a cheerleader so ed i love you thank you so much for doing this with me love you too thank you people can find you on instagram at edward hansen you can find me on instagram edward hansen or on twitter at the real ed hansen and you can be found in my heart every fucking day bitch (laughs) okay thank you so much for being here wags thank you say thank you to uncle ed he's asleep thank you the only time he hasn't woken up at the end of a podcast so he's being a real dick right now sammy thank you for being here you guys thank you for listening patreon.com slash mmiswp check out our archives and i love you so much bye Thank you for listening to season three of Mother May I Sleep With podcast. Our show today was made possible by our coordinating producer, Nicole Matthew, as well as our producer, Sammy Junio. Much love to Christina Lopez for all of her help and Elizabeth Brozek for that killer logo. We love it when new listeners find our show. And the best way for that to happen is landing in the Apple podcast charts. You can help us out with that by making sure you're subscribed to the show. And if you want, leave a review. And if you really want to support the show, you can head to our Patreon, patreon.com slash MMISWP. For information on our ranking system, episode details, and social media, head to mothermayisleepwithpodcast.com. I'm your host, Molly McAleer. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram under M-O-L-L-S, Malls. And if not there, on my couch, binging Lifetime movies. See you next time. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.